Hey everyone, this amazing ESO Network show is brought to you by our fine sponsor, Amazon.com. Please remember to shop Amazon for all your geeky needs, no matter what time of the year it is. All you need to do is go to ESOPodcast.com slash ESO Amazon, or click on the Amazon banner on the ESO Network webpage to go to our e-store. It's the best way to shop and the best way to support this program, and it doesn't cost you anything extra. Okay, that's enough of me babbling for now. Now on with your regular scheduled show. Hi, this is Mark. Congratulations. You have found this amazingly awesome show. Chances are you're listening to it right now on whether it's iTunes or Stitcher Radio or some other mobile app that allows you to stream this amazingly awesome show to your ear holes. And I can't stress how awesomely amazing this show really is. But did you know that you can also catch the latest episode of this show on the Tangibound Network? That's right. Go check out tangiboundnetwork.com. You can look them up and you can listen to it right there. It's even mobile friendly. What more could you ask for? Which means you can pull it up on your iPhone or your Android, even your Windows phone. Yeah, who has one of those? But still, point remains. You can do it. You can do it. Check it out. Tangiboundnetwork.com. Listen to this show, the latest episode, every time. Check it out. I'm Chris Farrell from the official GunnaGeek.com podcast, a proud member of the GunnaGeek network, just like the show you're listening to now. The opinions expressed are those of each individual. Check out all the other geeky podcasts over at GunnaGeekNetwork.com and get ready, because geekiness begins in 3, 2, 1. On this week's episode, Josh Peterson and I talk how Japanese video games have found their way back into the mainstream of gaming culture. We also look at the real reasons behind Marvel's comic book sales slump and share our list of our top 10 films. All this and a great song from Plasma Z, plus the guys from the Super Bro Station Gamescast talk the Nintendo Switch. The ladies from Wine, Women, and Wars are back with book choices that provide a pick-me-up. Rob McCallum interviews toy creator Tim Clark on the latest episode of The Trenches, and GamerCast returns with thoughts on the upcoming Disney Afternoon video game revival. It's a whirlwind of programming we have for you today as we come to our next stop, the PCC Multiverse. Don't be alarmed. The quasi-shimmering light before you is a trans-dimensional gateway to other worlds, other voices, other thoughts, and other realities. Up feels like down, and down feels like the number seven on a Wednesday morning. Don't worry, that quivering blood-boiling sensation under your eyebrows is all a part of the charm. Welcome to the PCC Multiverse. And we're back with another episode of the PCC Multiverse. This is Gerald Glassford from Pop Culture Cosmos and Game Source. How is everyone out there? We truly are glad that you are listening to us right now and being a part of the PCC Multiverse. We are on every Friday on the Podcast Radio Network, 7 p.m. Eastern, 4 p.m. Pacific. And I just want to thank everybody out there for making us now the number nine show in the top 10 of the Podcast Radio Network rating. So we truly appreciate it. And we also have the number one show, which is our Monday night show, 10.30 p.m. Eastern, 7.30 p.m. Pacific, also on the Podcast Radio Network. If for some reason you can't get us there and you want to download our show, you missed an episode, well, not, no problem. You can go and check out the Pop 
Culture Cosmos channel, which has both the PCC Multiverse and the Pop Culture Cosmos show. You're going to find it available on Google Play, TuneIn, Podcast.com, Stitcher, iTunes, of course, Mixcloud, the ESO Network, the Tangent Bound Network, and the Gun and Geek Network as well. And I really, truly thank those three networks, especially because they are, are fans out there, just like you and I, that are listening out there that love podcasts. And they, they've got so inspired, they run their own channels. And I just appreciate being on all of our networks, including those great channels indeed. So... It wouldn't be a Pop Culture Cosmos or PCC Multiverse show without my good friend, the man, the myth, the legend, the man behind all the projects that are going on with Humanic and Media. He is the tireless Josh Peterson. How are you, my friend? Hey, hey, I'm good, man. Ready for some pop culture talk? I know we got some good stuff lined up today. Yes, we do indeed. Got a lot of stuff uh, lined up as well. It's always great to have you aboard with me, my friend. We're we're going to tackle all these great pop culture uh, topics on today's show as well. We've got our top 10 list. That's right. Our top 10 films coming up later in the show. And also, we're going to talk about real reasons why Marvel Comics is going into a little bit of a slump after some comments that were made by marvel representatives a little bit later in the show but for right now i want to ask you something real quick there's also been some great games that have come out recently that are are spearheading almost a resurgence that has taken pretty much the last three or four years to cultivate Uh, i'll tell you right now neo we're talking about uh near automata uh, obviously, Persona 5 has been the talk this week for, for many reasons, not the least of which is that it's a truly great game. And of course, The Legend of Zelda as well that's come out for the Nintendo Switch. So that being said, back 20 years ago, Japanese video games dominated the marketplace and it looked like North American and European products were simply just put back uh, on a on a lower pedestal at that point in time as far as in the eyes of gaming fans. So I want to ask you, it looked like for a long time, it, re- it changed in that direction where, where American and you know, European and Australian and, and Canadian products were coming out that were much higher quality overall and popularity over their Japanese counterparts. Now that it looks like the playing field is a lot more even, what are your thoughts on why this has happened and now Japanese entities out there have really gained a strong hold back once again in the video game marketplace well it's all going full circle i mean a lot of this stuff that we played as kids was you know it was japanese with the except because you know back then you didn't have your call of duties you didn't have your gears of war your halos you had you had final fantasies you had legends of man legend of mana uh, uh even like lagaya on playstation was you know that was a japanese game it, it's that, those were the games that inspired us to play video games. I think that now, it, like this is the this is the era of nostalgia. That's why all these games are being re, like uh, remastered and whatnot. Legend of Mana is coming out on Nintendo Switch. They announced, um, you know, you have uh, Neo and Nier Automata. It's just there's, I, I think that they are. It, it's about time for a resurgence of the JRPG. And I, I hear Persona Five is really good. I haven't gotten a chance to get my hands on it yet, but. You know, obviously, if there's a lot of controversy surrounding it, there must be something to it that is attracting players. Indeed, uh, there is a lot of controversy as far as 
Sega and Atlas, which are now one and the same. They want to, they don't want to tell you, they want to keep it separate, but they are actually owned now by the same entity that Atlas now is, is basically stating pretty much as far as to streamers out there to not try and, and do much in the way of streaming or else they're going to lay the smack down with due to, you know, with, with copyright infringements and things of that nature, which in this day and age of the streaming generation is really just a hard thing to take in. What are your thoughts as far as companies such as Atlas, Sega, or EA, or Activision, anybody trying to control what people can or cannot stream beforehand? Because in our profession, they leave specific instructions for us, but that's for reviewers. But for their actual public at large, do you see that as something that that should not be acceptable? No, I mean, you can't. You can't give gamers the capability to stream games and then expect them not to stream it. Asking, and how many games a year are, it, it's stupid because how many games a year are released that have killer stories? You have your Uncharted, you have your Mass Effects, you have your Halos that have great stories that people play these games for, but people still stream them. I mean, most of the time too, like YouTube is a, you know, it's it's become like a great source for you know, if you get stuck on a part of a game, it's become a great source to go watch the people play it on YouTube and figure out what happened. So I think that asking gamers not to stream Persona is is stupid. And there are already gamers out there rebelling against it. They're naming stuff that, like, you know, they're naming their video streams, look at me, I'm streaming Persona, or, like, this is stupid, or, like, Sumi Atlas, or something like that. And it's like, there's no... I think it's a hollow threat, too, because they can't, like... There's no ground for suing them. It's not like, you know, I, as, as far as I know, I don't think copyright laws apply to video games in the same manner as they apply to, you know, recording a video and putting it up on the Internet. Because you're not like claiming it's yours. You're just playing somebody else's product. So I, I don't know what the line is there, but I, I think that it's not a if anything, people are still playing the game. But I, I mean, I don't think it's a very great way to treat your customers by threatening them with lawsuits. I agree with you as well. If you are going to sell your game onto a system that has a shared capability, then you're basically allowing the users of that console to use that shared capability and allowing your game to be shared as well. So I'm going to have to say respectfully in this time frame that I, I would probably say that it's not the best idea for Alice to go after the streamers like this. But go ahead. I'm yeah. sorry. Yes. Oh, well, one more thing. Like they disabled the streaming option on the PlayStation itself, but most most professional streamers don't use that in the anyways because you can only do like five ten minutes at a time. They use the you know the Elgato or whatever else is out there for streaming. So it's not like you can't stop it. I mean that that's like it's kind of the same concept as Napster. As long as it's free, you know, you can't stop people from doing something that's available to do. Definitely, indeed, I couldn't agree with you more that that uh, maybe Alice should think otherwise before they would go ahead and try and uh, put the clamp down on streamers just trying to play their games and show their fans and show people that just want to see the game as well. It could lead to a lot more sales than if you didn't allow that streaming option. What is everyone's thoughts out there in regards to also the rise of the Japanese role-playing game as far as all the hits that are now coming from from the Japanese area once again and and making Japanese games really a powerhouse in the gaming industry once again. What are your thoughts on that? Or and also as well the the streaming controversy going on with Atlas and Persona 5. Share your thoughts with us. Popculturecosmos at yahoo.com. Also as well, Popculture Cosmos on Facebook. 
Humanican Media on Facebook, and Humanican Media and Pop Culture Cosmo on Twitter. Well, it's going to be a great episode. Like I said, we've got the Wine Women Awards, the Gamer Cast with J. Robin Glenn, the Trenches, and the Super Bros Station Games Cast coming up uh, in this hour, pack hour of great stuff. It's just awesome that we have all the support indeed. And then we're going to mention our top 10 films and the the thoughts on as far as Marvel comic books as well. But first, we've got a great song coming for you from Plasma Z. This is level one right here on the PCC Multiverse. That was Level 1 by Plasma Z. 
Check out his work today on SoundCloud. Hey, this is Chad from Ghost Toasters, and you're listening to Pop Culture Cosmos Podcast. Hey everyone, if you're in the Southern California area and are looking for the best way to improve your home, look no further than adding some always green synthetic grass today. Whether it's creating that awesome backyard that's kid and pet friendly, or that punting green to work on your golf game, Always Green provides installation and landscaping with only American-made products such as their famous synthetic turf with advanced drainage technology and backed by a 15-year warranty that will have your yard looking great for a very long time. Always Green also installs retaining walls, custom lighting and driveways, and the most beautiful stone walkways. So if you live in the Southern California area, what are you waiting for? Financing is also available, so call for a free estimate today. 714-614-7814. That's 714-614-7814. Or stop by their store at 16772 Wanda Circle in Huntington Beach and get your home looking great with always green synthetic turf and putting greens. A proud sponsor of Pop Culture Cosmos, Humanican Media, and the PCC Multiverse Channels. Rob McCallum interviews sculptor and toy creator Tim Clark on the latest episode of The Trenches. So Maureen and I started working on developing sectors as an action figure. From there, the following year, it was sold to Coleco as a toy property, much to everybody's amazement. Yeah, well, Coleco was really starting to diversify after the Coleco Vision, and then they started getting to the home computer market, and they tried to basically do everything they could through the 80s. It seemed to kind of regain some of the success that they found throughout the 60s and 70s. So that was really interesting to see that development. Um, I have to say, most of Coleco's money came from Cabbage Patch. That was their biggest. And um, it, it'll be interesting to hear what what you learned about Coleco because for me um, it was great to, to do sectors, but Coleco was a probably really badly managed company. One of the worst I think I've ever had to deal with. And um, I think it was led to their demise. That's essentially the tale of the eighties from what I, what I read in the book and talked to uh, my friend about, he said basically in the eighties, they tried to resuscitate everything based on Cabbage Patch because they put way too much into the Clico Atom. It kind of bankrupted the company, and they were trying for anything that might bring them out of it, with action figures being huge, Transformers, G.I. Joe, Masters of the Universe, Here Comes Sectars, can we make that work? Didn't really work that much. I mean, Atom Computers was their biggest disaster and what sunk the company. But also their management style was bizarre to say the least like when not and maureen and i were working with them on sectors um at one point i called the design department and was asking them about i forget one of the mechanisms and one of the toys and the guy said well we didn't do that engineering did that he said you're gonna have to talk to engineering and i said okay fine so i I, he gave me the name of the guy at the head of engineering, and I called him, 
And I said, you know, it's like, um, I think you could make this work in a more efficient manner and blah, blah, blah. And he said to me, wait, which, which product are you talking about? And I told him and he said, he said, um, I don't know. I don't think we worked on that, that piece. He said, I think design worked on that. And I said, well, I just talked to the guys in design. They said to talk to you. He said, well, we don't really talk to the guys in design. And I said, what? <laughs> he said, well, he said, we compete with the guys in design. And I said, what do you mean? He said, well, we come up with concepts and we engineer things. And they come up with concepts and they design things. And then we see whose is better and whoever's better gets their piece done. And I said, so you, you don't cooperate with each other to make product? And he said, no, we don't. Actually, we don't talk at all. And I was like, I said, this is, you know, like him. I got off the phone. I said, this is just crazy. So the, the Greenberg brothers had the design department and the engineering department working against each other, not with each other. The left and, hand and the right hand don't know what they're doing. Right. So, so, you know, that was, you know, like you look at why Adam computers didn't work. Yeah. I mean, you know, like think about it. If you, if you had Macintosh and the engineering and the design department weren't working together, I mean, how would the thing wouldn't function, which is exactly what happened was they were selling computers that didn't work and they were getting all getting returned and they lost their shirts. You got to feel bad for marketing because who do they listen to about what to promote if each side's telling them something differently? Yeah. 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 So that was one problem. Then I also um, halfway through the, the point of launching sectors um, we, Maureen and I were out in California working on a stop motion animation movie of sectors with live actors and stop motion insects and large insect, insects for close up shots. And we were probably a good three months into it and we got called back to Connecticut and we went to meet with the people at um, Coleco and they said, well, even though Universal had agreed to put up half the film budget, Coleco said, you know, we're not going forward with the movie. So you guys are, you're not going back. And we were like, oh, okay, you know. And then the head of um, inventor relations said to me, and we're going to be doing Rambo action figures. And he said, what do you think about that? And I said, I think it's probably a really bad idea. And I said, it has nothing to do with it's that it's competing against sectors. It's that you're going to be trying to sell uh, Vietnam war toys to the biggest pacifist generation in the history of the United States. And I said, GI Joe has become the rescue squad. They're not even selling GI Joe as a, as a war toy or you know, an army toy or however you describe it. I said, what makes you think that this generation who's having kids now who were protesting against the Vietnam War are going to buy Rambo toys for the 
kids. I said, it's not going to happen. And he said, but there's going to be a Saturday morning cartoon. I said, they're not going to let their kids watch that cartoon, you know? Mm-hmm. And, and sure enough, Rambo toys came out and they spent hundreds of thousand dollars on tooling and marketing it and promoting it. And, you know, they're like zip sales. And so that was probably another, you know, addition to the nail in the coffin of Coleco. For more, check out the Trenches podcast today on Podbean and the Rob McCallum Films YouTube channel. You're listening to the Pop Culture Cosmos. Don't touch that dial. Wait, do, do people still use dials? Hey everyone, venture into the Pop Culture Cosmos today, where you'll hear our conversations on different topics within the world of movies, TV, video games, comic books, technology, board gaming, and more. You'll also get a taste of some of our other shows within the Cosmos as well. So come on and join us each week as we delve into the Pop Culture Cosmos. Welcome to the Pop Culture Cosmos. Every Monday night. 10.30 p.m. Eastern, 7.30 p.m. Pacific on the Podcast Radio Network. And now it's time to hear some thoughts from the guys at the Super Bro Station Gamescast. But um, no, I actually wanted to talk about two Nintendo Switch things and get your guys' opinion. Um, there have been... Two new stories. Oh, is there something that you want real to... Real quick, real yeah. quick. The, so, when when is it going to be available? Because I went and tried to look oh. for one this week. Like Actually, that's... today. They said at GameStop today they'll have it, but so I... I called GameStop, though, and they either... The ones that did have it sold out really quick, and the ones that don't have it, so... You can order it from the their their warehouse. Oh, the five ninety nine. But one. you have to pay six hundred dollars for it. Yeah, I to hate get the bundle. That. No, it's stupid. Yeah, don't anytime do that. a new console comes out, like Best Buy, like when I worked at Best Buy, they were notorious for this. You can only buy the console if you bought a crap load of accessories and games stupid. to go with it. Like that, that's robbery. It, it's just. Well, if Nintendo Switch... Is GameStop opening their Switches and selling them used for double price? <laughs> that would not awesome. surprise me at all. Yeah, I, uh, I actually was in a GameStop yesterday. I was trying to find the carrying case for it because I feel uncomfortable not having it because it's a yeah. very easy uh, system console to damage. Um, yeah, soon enough, I think it'll and be they easy. they said they didn't have any. They only had used carrying cases. <laughs> used carrying cases, they were $30 instead of the $15. Um, no, it's it's one of those things. I think at some point Switch will become readily available. Like they they bumped up their uh, production this year from like eight million to sixteen million, and that's with the fact that there really is only one game worth buying it for. Now, uh, it's a system that has changed the way I want to play games. Like I hate the idea of like, oh, I'm playing Mass Effect. I now need to go out. I can't bring it with me. Like it is cool. Like. Hey, I'm going to go somewhere tonight. What if we end up watching a movie I've seen like 15 times? Yeah. Throw my Switch in my backpack. So it is a great console, but I mean, th- it brings up to the two points that I have that make, they're, you know, the two problems I have that I think are going to make it easily, easy to find very, very soon whenever they start really pumping them out is one, there are still not a lot of games on it. It's just, they, they've filled up every week, they've released three or four, but they're just still like indie games. And a lot of them are indie games from four to 10 years ago. Um, I think the biggest one they released was Binding of Isaac, Afterbirth, mm-hmm. which I've heard is excellent, and it's got two-player co-op built in, so you can just 
like pull off the Joy-Cons and play it. Yeah. But so that's that's a problem. And the next game they the next new game they have, and they've not talked about Virtual Console or anything else, is uh, Mario Kart. And that's not even new; it's a port. But that's April twenty eighth. And then the second problem that I've noticed that is kind of bothering me is there seems to be a Nintendo Switch tax that is coming onto a lot of games where I, I've noticed this trend with a game called Rhyme that kind of looked cool, but I might not pick up anymore because I like play it on Switch, but it's $10 more on Switch for no reason because I, I don't know if they think because the value of being able to have a portable and console is worth the 10 bucks or, or what their, their deal is, but... That's not the only game. I can't remember the other one I saw, but there are several games coming out at different price points for Switch. And when you're essentially getting an underpowered version of the game yeah. with frame rate issues, it is disappointing to think, oh, I'm paying $10 for the privilege of having this here. Like it is, I'm already sacrificing having the best version of the game. And there still aren't things like achievements and other things that are fun little additions that they decided not That's to actually do. crazy that there's still yeah. no like, achievement system in Nintendo. It's such a small thing that makes so much fun. Like, I, I want 100% Breath of the Wild, but I, okay, I so think that I'm like, why I do it? pop-ups on the screen when you do stuff? It's fun. You don't, cool. you don't enjoy... No, no, there no, are, no I, I like achievements. But I mean, there are no achievements. Oh, there's no achievements. That's what I'm oh. saying. Like, I wish Breath of the Wild oh, did that. Gotcha. But because it doesn't, I will play it till I'm finished with it and then be done. Like, somebody got all of these seeds that are impossible to find, 900 of them in the game, Jeez. and there's, like, nothing. I mean, there's nothing, you know? <laughs> you guess you got 900. <laughs> Actually, in that specific case, it was golden poop. But, uh, yeah, spoilers, sorry, guys. Golden, but, uh, golden poop. Yeah, golden poop. Um, but, yeah, I was just curious what you guys think of that. Like, that idea where you're, like, Binding of Isaac Afterbirth Plus, that's, that's a $40 game. That game came out, I think it's 20 bucks on Xbox. Hmm. Like, that's a lot of money for a game that's five or six years old. Yeah, yeah, I, I I would rather play it on the Xbox and have it be cheaper because I'm mostly because I don't have a Switch. But. Yeah, but I think once you get a Switch and you fork out the eighty dollars for the Pro Controller, you'll find that like the Pro Controller, they thankfully they mimic the Xbox. It's a really really excellent controller. Um, like it, it, I do want to buy games on it. I want to be able to do like, oh hey, I got to go to the doctor's appointment today. Okay, well I'm having a lot of fun playing this console level game. Let me just take it along with me on the road. So what's the ba- uh, have you tested the battery life on there? What's it? Uh, I've gotten more than two hours, but I've never actually used it for the full thing. I'm I'm still super careful. I actually just bought a cozy, like a, a dock cozy online. Because I don't know if you heard, but the screens have been getting scratched with uh, if you put it in the dock, which is another crazy thing. But uh, I don't want to spend all of our time talking about this. So I'm just curious what you guys think about that value added tax and and the game lineup. We talked about this a lot, but like. There are cool things like the second Nintendo thing that we talked about, and um, the fact is, you know, E3 is around the corner. Hopefully, we're going to get a really good virtual console. But I'm just curious what you guys think about it right now, as it being two weeks after launch. It's interesting. I, I'm looking forward to having one eventually. Uh, I'm still like nervous about the lineup. Yeah, it's. I'm still nervous about like the overall, like. I don't know, like, if it's going to be worth it in the end, if it's going to be like the Wii U. Yeah. Um, which I still play, but I I wish I didn't. Yeah. Um, it, where it's just like, I, I want the virtual console. Like, yeah. I, I want, like, I would be fine with my Wii U had their virtual console act got, got together. Like, you know, like, had it been, had I been able to do something with that, 
then the Wii would have been a really successful system to me, but because there was nothing on the Virtual Console... Just, well, they're releasing games now still. <laughs> yeah. They just released something last week. <laughs> I forgot what it was. And also just a handful of, like, really worthwhile games. Yeah. Um, it's it's a hard thing to, you know, stand behind. Yeah, it's a really hard thing to stand behind. So, so we'll see. Um, I'm looking forward to getting it. I still haven't decided if I'm just going to buy Breath of the Wild on the Wii U. Yeah. I, I would wait till you feel like you need to play it and then see if you're ready to switch at that point. Because I have to say, I've been in positions where, like, I needed to do stuff outside. And I played Breath of the Wild probably for 10, 15 hours on the go. Like, I, I don't know exactly your guys' position, but I get one TV from my household that my wife will use. Okay. And so I will play the, the handheld when she's watching her shows. And there's there's... There's a lot of cool things, and it actually is fairly comfortable. So it, I mean, it looks cool. I, I, the Wii U, I remember, is like super bulky. Yeah, the Wii U. If the Wii U would have done what this did, I think it would have even been easier to stand behind. Like if it would have actually been a portable instead. Like I mean, you can make a Wii U a portable. You bring the the box that comes with it, and a power supply, and the gamepad, and you can take it on an airplane. But like, I mean, that's people have done that. But that's crazy, you know. Yeah. Like, That's the Super Bowl Station Gamescast, available on Humanic and Media Outlets, on YouTube, Facebook, and Podcast.com. And we're back. My name is Gerald Glassford from Pop Culture, Cosmos, and Game Source. We truly appreciate you being here and listening to us here in the PCC Multiverse. It is truly a great pleasure indeed. Catch our Monday show, the number one show on the Podcast Radio Network. It's the Pop Culture Cosmos Show, 1030 Eastern, 730 PM Pacific on Monday night on the Podcast Radio Network and all of our other audio outlets. So I want to ask you real quick, Josh, you know, it's been, a, it's been a great time for as a comic book fan, and you are our comic book expert indeed, but I, I know you heard the recent comments made by the Marvel executive when he was questioned on why there is a sales slump with Marvel comic books and he attributed it to it, although he tried to backtrack in a later conversation with reporters, he initially attributed it to the diversity that Marvel was trying to create with all of its new characters and all the new recreations and revisements of their superheroes as far as their lineups and also the, the comic books that are distributed. I personally disagree with that because I think when you broaden yourself to New Horizons, you're, you're also opening up yourself to to a wider audience base so i don't think that to me is the the issue but i want to hear your thoughts because you are our man in the comic book realm as far as the man in the know what do you think as far as for the reasons possibly on the surface for the marvel comic book slide well i think people are getting burnt out on superheroes and it's not just the idea of superheroes it's the the idea of taking superheroes and constantly reinventing them. Like you're reinventing his characters, but you're not reinventing villains. You're basically rehashing stories, but just changing the ethnicity, skin color, whatever you want to say of these heroes. And it's, it's just, it take these heroes and like, you have a blank slate with these heroes. Don't you, know, you can, you can make it. You can, you know, you can have your, uh, your Mexican ghost writer, your black Spider-Man, whatever you want. That's cool. That's interesting. But Give them something new to play with. Do you also think that that maybe fans are getting burnt out in regards to maybe because of the fact that now the Marvel Cinematic Universe and the DC Cinematic Universe are now so prominent out there in films and maybe as a comic book fan that used to just have to get their their comic book fix off the actual 
hard, fast, you know, got to have it a tangible comic book now can get their fix by just going to their local theater or popping in their, their latest Blu-ray or DVD. You think that might have something to do with it as well? That's an interesting question because there are statistics out there that show that, you know, it's unrelated. Uh, it's kind of related, but that people would rather like how we deliver news through podcasts. We'll take news articles and we'll dissect them and we'll talk about them like we're doing now. People would rather listen to people talk about news articles and sit there and read them. So I asked like, if you had the option to go and watch these heroes on screen, why are you going to go to the comic book shop to pick up the comic books? And you know, that was, I, I, that had to have been something that Marvel was thinking about while they were, uh, you know, discussing the creation of the MCU. So it's, uh, I, with hardcore fans, there will always be, you know, they'll always want to go pick up comic books, but I think this is why they're starting to lean more towards digital content as opposed to physical copies of comic books, because, uh, people are still, um, you know, people, there's still a market for it, but you know, if you have the option, it's like that whole thing back when you're in elementary school, if you had the option to read a book or watch the movie it's based on, you're not going to read the book. Exactly. Or just give me the cliff notes so I can ace the test. There there you go. That's your spark notes. (laughs) Something like that. That's, that's my thought on it. Comic books for dummies like me, but anyways, (laughs) we won't, uh, digress on that but if you have your thoughts out there on why marvels is going through a sales slump in its comic book realm please just let us know popculturecosmos at yahoo.com or popculturecosmo and humanican media on facebook or twitter this is travis from ghost coasters and you're listening to the pop culture cosmos podcast If you're tired of sifting through flea markets for rare and unique games, we can help. Retro City Games in Henderson, Nevada, only five minutes from the Las Vegas Strip, has all your favorite gaming staples, classics, and a wide selection of rare games with new stuff always appearing on our shelves. Come in and chat with Nicole or Doug about your love of games and watch as they help you complete your collection or find your childhood favorite. And don't forget, Retro City Games loves trade-ins. So if you have any Nintendo, Super Nintendo, Sega, Xbox, PlayStation, or even PC games, come in and visit Retro City Games today. Welcome to the new metropolis of gaming, Retro City Games. Ladies from Wine, Women, and Words are back with book choices that provide a good cheering up. And so Bernie's having these serious discussions, and you're finding out key plot things. And the dog's paying attention. Bored. And the dog falls asleep mid-conversation. So it just cuts out there for you, and you're like, wait, wait, no, wake up, wake up! (laughs) So it's a lot of fun. It's a really, really fun um, series to check out. Um, Another great um, book within this this genre is Fangirl by Rainbow Roll, which, if you have not checked out any of her books, I highly recommend it. She's a fantastic author. She's one of those borderline young adult books where she's almost like new adult. Uh, Fangirl is a really great book. It's about these twin girls who go to college, and they've been together their whole lives. 
you know, there's one who's incredibly nerdy who lives within her own shell. She writes fan fiction for something that's kind of Twilight-esque. And she, her sister's very popular, very outgoing. And, hey, sorry. Hey, kids, stop. Sorry, my little four-legged children are having their own opinions. Um, so she gets to college, and she's still, like, she's try, she starts to find herself. And she starts to really get into the writing and she thinks that she, and she's a good writer and she thinks that she can make it as a fan, as a fan um, author, fan, doing fan fiction. And so, but she finds out that, you know, really she can't, she needs to start breaking out on her own. And it's a really great coming of age book. I remember and, you talking about that book when you were reading it and it's on my list. It's totally one of our books. It's totally a book that you would totally get behind. I could. It sounds like I could relate to the character. Yeah, I don't know. With you moving to Chicago and all that cold weather, um, you know, you might just be inside more. And you might be picking up more books to read. I'm just I saying. Know. Just we, saying. We took the kids to the zoo today, and it was like 90 degrees out. Down. I don't know how hot it was up there. It was 90 degrees out at the zoo today, and. Every time I want to complain about the heat, I just keep telling myself, in a month, I am not going to be able to walk out of the house in shorts and a tank top. I had a client in my office who just came back from Chicago. You don't want to know what the current temperature is there right now. Oh, my gosh. I, I looked it up, I think, two weeks ago. And it was, like, two weeks ago, it was in the the low 70s, high 60s. I was like, okay, that's not bad. And I looked at the 15-day forecast, and it just got lower and lower and lower. Mm-hmm. So, I don't know. I'm kind of curious now. But, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, it's – I'm not excited about this winter, you guys. I don't know how I'm going to survive it. Books and tea and coffee – yeah. That's pretty much how you're gonna end it. Only way you're gonna be able to survive it. That's the Wine Women Awards Podcast, available today on YouTube, TuneIn, and Podcast.com. Check out this clip from GamerCast with J. Robin Glenn exploring the revival of the Disney Afternoon series of shows in video game form. What did you guys think of the Disney Afternoon Pack? Uh, you know, I I just heard about that, and I didn't really get all the details, but it, it, it's a pack of the old, like... NES games. The it's, Capcom NES stuff. Uh, it's, well, some of it. Little Mermaid is not included in it. Even though it's a Disney Capcom title. It's DuckTales 1 and 2, Rescue Rangers 1 and 2, Darkwing, and Tailspin. So basically, cool. the Disney Afternoon cartoons. What do you guys think of that? It's 20 bucks. comes out mid-April. It's they're not remakes. They're not like the remastered versions they're of DuckTales. Like ports, yeah. Exact ports, emulators, or ROM. It's cool, man. For twenty bucks, anyone games. likes that kind of stuff. You can't always get the cards. You know, they're very expensive, so it's great. Yeah, DuckTales. DuckTales two is yeah, like it's good, right? Slapping my lips about it. I'm like, oh, big whoop. And Rob's like, what about DuckTales two? Rescue industry. I'm like, oh yeah, old them. So, uh, of course, as soon as it hits, everybody's like, where's Little Mermaid? And how come we can't have this? And how come we can't have that? Nobody said Little Mermaid. 
No, Little Mermaid was a part of that. Disney Afternoon. I know, but it was a Disney Capcom game, so everybody's like, everybody. Why does everybody point to the thing that they don't got instead of being happy for what they do have? What about Finding Nemo? What about him? Did you find him? Found him. Now what? No, Great. no, Let's Little this. Nemo, Little Nemo, the Dream Master. That's oh, what there you go. Yeah. Okay. Uh, speak, speaking of Disney Afternoon, Rob, what are your feelings on that uh, the new Ducktales trailer? Uh, optimistic. Yeah. Cautiously, perhaps. Um, I don't mind the animation style. The voice acting doesn't really bother me. I want to see how much Donald's involved in the show now. He seems. He to looks a little of, more prominent. Yeah, much. Uh, he was in, I think, a handful of episodes of the original series, um, but he seems much more like the comic relief and stuff. In this, in this time, like that, more of a staple. Hey, hey, Mister McD. Where's Where's Darkwing? That's what I want to know. Are you a fan of David Tennant as Scrooge? <clears throat> it's not horrible. I mean, it's part of the reboot process, right? Alan Young passed away, so we obviously can't get his voice and his pipes back. So, just give me some Darkwing. I lo- I I don't know what I like better the the adventure treasure hunting of Ducktales or the crime fighting of of Darkwing with the Batman like parodies. You know, hey DW, don't look at me like that. You're just looking for. I'm looking for some sort of some sort of reaction. Invitation, yeah. yeah. Yeah, I need some qualifications there. What uh, do you guys want to hear the the headlines that I've looked at? Oh, 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 I I had forgotten the headline searching was such a big part of our. It's process. our ongoing segment, brought to us by Amato Arcade. Check out Amato Arcade on YouTube and on Facebook. She just posted a video where she threw down the gauntlet for a Japanese snack challenge, where she's challenging another page to see who can eat the most snacks without vomiting and and digesting. And you know how curated those snacks are. I do. Alright, I got three headlines here. They're both pulled from Polygon and Kotaku. Oh, thank God! The fir- True journalism! The first two are pulled from Polygon, and the last one is pulled by Kotaku. And I will tell you, looking at both of them, Kotaku has a whole bunch of schlock. I could have easily pulled 15 from them alone. But I, I pushed myself. And I went back from, from where we are now to all the way to December looking at headlines. So the first one is, Sailor Moon really loves Ford cars. Apparently this is journalism and she loves the Ford brand. And I didn't click on it, but that's the headline. She's not real. (laughs) And Ford cars are. Next. Nintendo is skeptical that Switch docks are scratching screens. Now, we've seen a bunch of pictures all over the place. And yet Reggie says, oh, this isn't a thing at all. So I find it interesting that Nintendo okay, is skeptical. You know what? Yeah, but people used to throw their Wii remotes to their TV screens yeah. too, and I never understood that. I'm pointing the finger at you and Why? saying that you are a responsible gamer. I'm a responsible gamer. You, eh, not so much, but you're good. Who is scratching these screens? What are you doing to these screens? People blame Nintendo. It's like, what are you doing? The notion is that they put... They're putting the switch back in the dock, and it's being scratched by the inside of. Yeah, the but dock. focus on the headline: Nintendo's skeptical. Yeah, because everyone's an <laughs> idiot who's doing that. I'm sorry, but it's just like put it. We're back. reporting on it, skepticism it, at this point. It, if you can't, point. if you can't put it in the cradle, you shouldn't have a system. Sorry, but seriously, give there. me a, give me a break, man. All right, here, here's the last headline. This is courtesy of Kotaku. Star Wars: The Last Jedi's red font is cause for concern. Star Wars The Last Jedi's red font is cause for concern. Is <laughs> it concerning, by the way? No, we got Who are these people who can't sleep at night because Ryan Johnson's font is red? Ryan Johnson is Breaking Bad fame yeah. and, a few, and a few Looper and some other stuff. Well, it can't have a red font because it's cause for concern. About what? 
Then Luke's gonna be a bad guy? I don't know, it's cause for concern. All I know is I better click it to ease my concern. Click the headline. Those are the headlines. Thanks again to Moto Arcade. Check out her Japanese snack videos. Watch them. If, uh, if you had to write a ridiculous Kotaku headline, Rob, what would it be? It would be nothing. Oh, 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 hold on. If you had to write a ridiculous Kotaku headline about Nintendo Quest, what would it be? Okay, so now you're framing it because usually Kotaku headlines don't necessarily have anything to do with video games. Unfortunately, oh. Nintendo Quest has something to do with video games. So if it was about Nintendo Quest, it'd be like, road trip gone awry, see how it failed. Video games. <laughs> like, it would just be incoherent. And there would be, like, a hashtag in there to do it. I think that's what would yeah. be the thing. Yeah. Jay? Kotaku headline. Headline uh, challenge. This is a good one. This is good. I'd say, like, uh, two best friends make video game dog. This is too good. But how close friends are they? Let's see, clickbait. Like, so they'd be, like, pit us against each other kind of thing. Yeah. Friends or foes, video game doc yeah. tells us more. Nintendo Quest's lack of Flintstones is cause for concern. <laughs> <laughs> Nintendo Quest with lack of Nintendo, cause for concern. <laughs> Anything with cause for concern, that, that makes a Kotaku that article. I just want to throw something out here. <laughs> or, or we went down to Georgia and smoked a lot of meat. <laughs> so, do you that? That's probably the best yeah. headline. That's the best Kotaku headline. Person in Georgia smokes a lot of meat. It's like, what? <laughs> That's GamerCast with J. Robin Glenn, available today on Podbean. Hi, this is Josh from Ghost Toasters, and you're listening to the Pop Culture Cosmos. Rob McCallum Films is back in 2017 with a vengeance. This year, we're set to release Power of Grayskull, the definitive history of He-Man and the Masters of the Universe, which chronicles the ultimate 80s billion-dollar franchise, Masters of the Universe. See exclusive interviews and hear untold stories from the people responsible for creating the world of Eternia, a place full of magic and science, and learn about the craft of creating action figures and animation. Power of Grayskull drops this year and is just one of our many projects at Rob McCallum Films. And we're back for the final segment of the PCC Multiverse. My name is Gerald Glassford from Pop Culture Cosmos and Game Source. I'm here along with my good friend, the man, the myth, the legend behind Humanican Media, Mr. Josh Peterson. It's time for our top 10 film countdown because we counted down the previous 25 to 11 on our Pop Culture Cosmos show. So I will go ahead and start off with my number 10. I know Josh had mentioned how much he loves Star Wars Return of the Jedi. In fact, he has it as his number 11 pictures, if I remember correctly, that he mentioned on our last countdown. Number 10 for me is Star Wars Return of the Jedi. I'll just tell you what, it's, to me, it's just a truly awesome film. Like, like for Josh, it, it really resonates as far as from an emotional standpoint, uh, tells a great narrative, and, and ends the trilogy in, in such a fine fashion. What is your number ten, sir? Um, the girl with the dragon tattoo, the uh, the, the newer one. I didn't watch the other one, but uh, yeah, it's just I I love the book. I love uh, you know Daniel Craig and Rooney Mara played the parts really well. I think that it was a severely uh, underrated movie, and it does it should have made more money than it did. I don't know 
It's making a sequel, but the stars won't no, be involved. It's, it's not a sequel. It's just kind. Of, I guess it's just kind of a reboot. But that 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 in itself makes me mad because this was the first in the series, and now they're skipping the two the two books. But you can't really jump into the fourth book without without knowing these characters and what turned them into what they are. So it's just I don't understand how they're going to do it. But yeah, the, the acting was good. The tone of the movie was good. The music it was intense, and it just it had everything to me that a great movie should have, and it was thrilling to watch. And I just uh, I was captivated by it. My number nine pick, in my opinion, is one of the most influential films of the century. It is the forty year old version. I tell you what, when you take a look at it, not only is it a great movie with a with a really cool narrative, and for, for a film that that relies a little bit on sophomoric humor to actually have a really good narrative and be a, a really a full bodied movie is just great indeed. But to, to realize that it really was the, the catalyst and starting point of the, the great careers of all those great actors who are now just a part of our TV and film culture and lifestyle, you could see the starting point for each and every one of them really at that realm. So, so definitely uh, to see the growth now from a later perspective it's just really just makes even it more rewarding for a watch and that's the 40 year old version for me at number nine what is your number nine film uh, i have a movie that you already named i'm going to say gladiator it was uh you know pretty much for the reasons that you already stated i just uh ridley scott's a very talented Rid- ridley scott could make a movie about anything and i could watch it like it could be about the uh how different countries burn garbage and i would still probably want to watch it so Gotta love Ridley Scott, man. My number eight pick is probably one of the most overlooked films from one of the greatest directors of all time, Steven Spielberg, Minority Report. It's just really a cool concept and and definitely worth a watch. It's one of Steven Spielberg's finest films. And that's my number eight is Minority Report. What's your number eight, sir? Uh, I chose Harry Potter and the Deathly Hallows Part 2 because to me – there's a lot that they didn't show in from the books that would have been nice to see, but it was wrapped up in a nice little bow. And, you know, to me, that's, I, I didn't actually read the books until after I watched the movies. So it was, uh, it was, it was handled really well. And it was, I, I think it deserves a place on any top 10 list just because it's such an influential film. You even have kids now going out like JK Rowling is just, she's done a lot for the world of fiction. And I think that, you know, she deserves a place on some kind of top 10 list. My number seven pick, well, it's a J.J. Abrams film, but it's not The Force Awakens. No, it's the the movie that really catapulted his career, and that's 2009 Star Trek, the the reboot of of this the storied franchise. Just really got a a nice punch uh, that it sorely needed, but is definitely one of the the great rides of recent times as far as a film is concerned. And then anytime it comes on the air, it's, it's definitely a, a great, great viewing experience. So, sir, what is your number seven film? I have Jurassic Park. You just can't deny that that feeling of magic that you felt that first time they stopped the cars out in the uh, field and the John Williams soundtrack comes on and you see the long necks walking around. For me, that scene in that movie sticks out to me more than any other piece of cinema that I've ever witnessed. And it, it really just like, it's, it's inspiring and it kind of inspired, you know, it, it kickstarted the imaginations of kids all over, you know, all over America. So that is my number uh, seven. So number six, sir. 
Numero seis for me is Captain America Winter Soldier. It is the finest entry in the Marvel Cinematic Universe. Uh, it's you know, part spy thriller, part action thriller, part superhero movie. It's just, it just combines a lot of elements to make a really, really, really good film. Almost like a James Bond flick, uh, more so than a superhero films at times. Makes it, or for me, a really interesting watch every time I go ahead and pop it on the TV. So what is your numero six, sir? Uh, I got Garden State with Zach Braff and Natalie Portman. Uh, just That was the first time I'd seen, I guess you'd call it an indie film. The, the soundtrack was great. The characters were great. They were weird. They were odd. And it kind of, if personally, like it, it inspired me. It was that and, uh, you know, Clerks that actually inspired me to uh, get into, you know, making film or recording or, you know, filming stuff or whatever. Um, yeah, so that's my number six. What's your number five? My number five film, I believe, is the best of the Lord of the Rings films, and that's Lord of the Rings Two Towers. It, it does a great job with with a, a lot of things that the sequels have to do in far as the middle pictures in a trilogy. It not only has to have its own narrative that works, but also is able to build that bridge between the first and the third movies in the trilogy. And I think it does a great job of juggling all these tasks. It's truly an incredible experience every single time. And that's Lord of the Rings, Two Towers at number five for me. Um, I have Clerks. Kevin Smith definitely needs a place on any top ten list in existence. My number four is something that I actually just so thrilled because I got to see it in the theaters this past weekend, and that is North by Northwest. In my opinion, it is Alfred Hitchcock's best film. So all, all apologies to pe- those who, who say Rear Window. All apologies to those who say Psycho. I'm sorry. North by Northwest, for me, is truly an incredible experience. The, every action thriller has to pay homage to it because it really just was the first of its kind as far as creating that 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 true action blockbuster thriller indeed. So that's my number four, North by Northwest. What's your number four, sir? James Cameron's Aliens. That is the best movie in that franchise. And I, I don't disagree with you on that one. I like it, it better than Alien. Yeah, and it, it it's a classic and it's uh any sci-fi fan needs to watch this. Even if you don't watch any of the other Alien movies, you need to watch Aliens just because it is such like a it's such a monster of a sci-fi film. That is my number four. What about your number three? Khan! That's right. Number three for me is Star Trek, The Wrath of Khan. Basically, the, the, the Star Trek film universe owes a world of debt to Star Trek to Wrath of Khan and is worthy of the number three spot on my list because if it weren't for Star Trek to The Wrath of Khan, there would be pretty much all those other films in the Star Trek universe would not even exist today. So what is your number three? I have Kingdom of Heaven with Orlando Bloom, another Ridley Scott film, and another highly underrated movie. To me, it was a good movie, told a good story, uh, had some epic battle pieces, some great music. I own it on Blu-ray, and it's you know that's my go-to movie. So uh, that is my number three. Uh, what about your number two? It is Star Wars, The Empire Strikes Back. Star Wars, The Empire Strikes Back, it means so much to a lot of people. It is widely considered to be the best Star Wars movie. 
just truly is a great experience. And it's always stayed with me and uh, truly made me a Star Wars fan right there from the get-go. And, and I just cannot say enough about how great a film Star Wars The Empire Strikes Back is. And that's definitely worth my number two ranking. What is your numero dos, sir? Uh, my number two movie is Snatch with Brad Pitt, uh, Jason Statham. This is a Guy Ritchie film. It's a, you know a lot of fast talking. Uh, the, the script is well written. A lot of fast talking. A lot of great acting. Uh, it's just it was a fun ride, really. Like it had to be on my, in my top three, at least number two. All right, so here we go. Now it's going to be our number one for each of us, and uh, my number one choice on my all time list of films is. Blade Runner. To me, it just reaches that other level in regards to greatness. It's from a, from a visionary standpoint, from an acting standpoint, I believe it is Harrison Ford's and also as well, definitely Rutger Hauer's great performances that buoyed the film and, and definitely the, the vision, the look, futuristic time frame as far as the, the look, the different cultures blending into one and just it's truly a great sci-fi experience. As my greatest, greatest love in film, it, it definitely uh, has a high place for me indeed. So that is my number one, Blade Runner by Ridley Scott. So what is your choice as far as your number one pick for your all-time favorite film? All right, you might think that this is weird, but The Great Outdoors, that is just, for some reason, that is my favorite movie. I have the entire thing memorized, and I can watch it over and over again. If you have any thoughts out there, please let us know. You know, anything that we've talked about or what you would like us to talk about on the show, popculturecosmos at yahoo.com, popculturecosmo on Twitter, Humanican Media on Twitter, or send us a message on Facebook at popculturecosmos and Humanican Media. So for Josh Peterson, this is Gerald Glassford. It's another beautiful day in paradise here in the PCC multiverse. We thank you for listening, and here's hoping you have yourself. A great day. This has been a broadcast of the ESO Network, your station for all things geek, classic, current, and beyond. Be part of the crew at esonetwork.com. Tangent Bound Network. Let your voice be heard. Tangentboundnetwork.com. Thanks so much for downloading the Pop Culture Cosmos as a special treat. We're adding a bonus episode, which starts right now. So sit back and relax as you enjoy more awesome goodness in the Pop Culture Cosmos family. And stay tuned as more great podcasts are on the way. Thanks again for listening to us here at the Pop Culture Cosmos. How are you, Glenn? I haven't seen you since... December 1982. Feels about right. Yeah. It's been long, however many years that is. This week's icebreaker brought to us by Retro City Games. Speaking of seeing each other, you guys are going to see a whole lot more of me. I don't think we've announced it yet to everybody else, but... Get out of the snack mix. <laughs> oh, Stan Brick. Oh. I'm moving back! Woo! Moving back to London. Breaking all the ice. Yeah. Breaking news. What's the timeline on that? As soon as I get my U.S. citizenship, I ironically leave the country. <laughs> yeah, so you're moving back. So why, pray tell, are you moving back? So we can do GamerCast more often, of course. More often than three months? I feel that's dishonest. <laughs> it's not not true. 
It's a double negative. Friends of family, man. Friends of family. Yeah. Do you have any of those or <laughs> looking to build some? <laughs> I mean, a couple. Looking to add a few. <laughs> you, do you know anybody who wants to be friends with old Macaloo? Yeah, we've actually been been rooming for the last week, so that's pretty cool. That's true. We've been rooming. I have a heroin mattress upstairs, straight out of train spotting, and <laughs> you uh, do because that bedroom is empty. It is vacant, along with my soul. Yeah, but it's been super fun, man. Like <laughs> my girlfriend is ordering pizza in the background. <laughs> If we're picking her up. I don't know if this is being picked up or not. Well, we're ordering pizza everybody. It's a bonus, this bonus feature for uh, for all of our listeners. The pizza order in the background. Ben, what do you think about me moving back? Uh... <laughs> <laughs> Said, hold it all in, buddy. Don't uh, don't get too excited. Man, man you got to have an opinion. You um, got to. It's uh, it's going to be cool, man. It's I, I have never known you while you've been living here. Lucky you. So, uh, it's, hey, what it's, it's going to be uh, it's going to be interesting to be able to see Macaloo at any time, at any place. Some wings and beers when I least suspect it. We'll have, I think we'll have to have a regular wing night. Yeah, I think you were saying that actually you tried to do the pop in with Glenn a few days ago, and you kind of you changed your mind. Or? I was going to do a pop in on old Tiny Titan Studios, and I figured, you know what. Probably not do the Macaloo pop. Oh, okay, that's different. Busy. Go to his work's different. I thought you were going to go to his house. And I don't know where he lives now. You're in a whole new place. On, <laughs> off. Uh, I probably shouldn't say it on the show, but you're, <laughs> you're downtown London now. I'm which close is to nice. downtown, yeah. Yeah. I'm like 15 cool. minutes walk from work, which is actually awesome. Yeah. I've, uh, I've, really, I've been walking to work for uh, for a week, and it's it's amazing. It's exactly what I wanted. So it's um, it's been uh, it's been really great. I haven't had a lot of time to sort of settle in, like, Stuff sort of semi-unpacked still, and I've, I've really got to kind of set the place up and make it feel a little bit homier. But it's um, it's getting there, and it's uh, it's been a really long time since I've had a place where I could just feel kind of comfortable. It's been a long transition for you. It's been what uh, six months since moving out of your own place and getting uh, reestablished, yeah. something like that. Uh, not really, no. But this 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 whole <laughs> has, hasn't been quite that long. But this 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 whole kind of transition period has been. Going on since uh, middle of October or so. Sure, so, okay. So it's definitely been you know, October, a few November, months. December, January, February. <clears throat> oh, I guess this is about six. Yeah. <laughs> it doesn't ain't seem... so good at math as we said before. We yeah, it's true. It doesn't. It doesn't feel like it's been that long. But uh, uh, at any rate, yeah, it's been. Uh, it's been really good to just have some place where I can kind of just unplug and relax for the first time in a really long time and get my cat back this weekend, and that'll be nice. Have well, some company. Before we go too deep, let's start the show! Welcome to another GamerCast, live from the Money Tomb. Oh, it's good to be back in the Money Tomb again. I'm one of your three hosts today, Rob McCallum, joined, of course, alongside the rejuvenated video game rock star, Jay Bartlett. I'm back, baby. I'm back. And editing and producing, as always, our good friend, Uncle Prickly Stanbuck. (laughs) (laughs) Every time I'm prepared for whatever ridiculous thing is going to come out of your mouth, and every time you catch me... Every episode is like the tickle trunk. You don't know what costume we're going to find. Can I take a moment to comment on Jay's uh, flowing locks here? Yeah, yeah. He's got quite the head of hair going right Uh, now. 
He's going for his 92 Pearl Jam corduroy look. I thought, you were, I thought you were going to comment on the jacket, which I've been religiously wearing lately. The, the corduroy jacket? My Eddie Vedder Pearl Jam jacket. Your hair is longer than... Uh, <laughs> Forget about the jacket. Oh, fuck this. Forget the jacket. It, it's long, yeah, yeah. That's uh, like that's like longer than Nintendo Quest long. That's Oh, Nintendo Quest was here. Do you ever, have you seen it? Or, yeah. Yeah. A couple times. Yeah, no, yeah. Um... Uh, Rob, quest. No one is going for. Rob's girlfriend actually called me uh, George Harrison, so that's a pretty big compliment. But a few minutes ago, so I'll will take it. I'll take it. Yeah, I don't know. I just I, I I really like it. I'll never cut it again until it's I can't grow it anymore. So that's great. You look fantastic. I must say. Appreciate that, Rob. Wish I could say the same. Now let's just take a moment right now, okay? Because I want to talk about what's on top of Makalu's head. What is that? It's a hat. I believe it's known as a trucker cap. That trucker. What does that trucker cap say? Bud Light. And where did you get that? From a case of Bud Light. <laughs> so when Rob's been staying here for the week, there's been a. Bud Light's been throwing a promotion right now where there's three different articles of clothing in the case. And Rob's, <laughs> <laughs> Rob's, been, trying, Rob's been trying to collect them all. One man, three <laughs> pieces of clothing, yeah. 28 bottles the of The sequel beer. to Nintendo Quest, the Bud Light Quest. What are the three? There's a hat. Bud Light Quest! Oh, it's so good. Kay. 678 bottles. It's, it's there's the a hat, there's a shirt, and then there's socks. No, there's no, no pants though. Is there a shirt? Yeah, there is a t-shirt. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Okay, and no so pants. we got so far away. No we're, we're into Box two cases. Shirts. We're into two cases. Is it just two? And what did you get? I just got two hats. And I washed Burn! I washed the hat today by mistake. So I, took, the, I took my pile of dirty clothes and I was bringing them out of the the wa- or the dryer. I'm like, there's a Bud Light hat in here. There's just something about your uh, your description of that promotion that made it sound like they were just yanking clothes off of the homeless guy out back behind the bottling plant. I think they were. In a random case. Yeah. Uh, they were not not doing it. They, there's no evidence to suggest they weren't. So but I'm going for the Triforce of Bud Light apparel. When, when we were on the power tour, I'm going to get you to tell this story. I'm just going to feed it to you here. Okay, because I don't know um, what it is yet. We went to just a ton of different truck stops. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> tell the story about the showers. Because he put he put on the Bud Light hat and he instantly became that guy. And what's that guy? Well, it was both the Power Tour and Nintendo Quest. You're driving for four or five hours. You need to pull over and you know fill up the tank and uh, maybe talk yourself into getting some sort of salted peanut snack or some sort of over sugar chocolate homemade dip candy thing. Or pies. Or pies. Fruit pies. Gas you love fruit pies. pies. You love the pies. And uh, you walk 900 in. Nine hundred calories a pie, buddy. In some of these. <laughs> Some of these, some of these truck stops are like serious, like layover, like locations. We walked in. I think it was probably like at two in the morning at one point, and we were just like, "What salty snack do we not want to eat? And what sugary coffee cappuccino beverage are we going to be forced to drink to keep going on the road?" And all we heard was number forty-three. Your shower is ready. And Jay and I both looked at each other and pissed ourselves laughing. Yeah, so I was very ignorant to what this was, and Rob explained it to me. And this is how he explained it. Basically, everybody gets a number, and you can take a shower in a stall. But nobody hears the tales from the guy who's got to scrub them stalls. Yeah, so so a couple of like uh, city slickers like us, we didn't really know what that was, but I guess, you know... 
the long and winding road. People need showers, etc. And it's just I like so blown away. It's it like, like a yeah. barn, a yeah. barn of freaking shower crazy, stalls man. to me. Yeah, that's what that's the truck stop thing for sure. Yeah. So you just shower next to you know Johnny. So here comes Haas walking yeah. out of the shower with the towel around him and stuff because it's like right adjacent to the restrooms and stuff, and he's he's putting on his cologne there to smell good for his cab, and he's walking down. And he gets a couple slices of pepperoni sausage pizza. They hit the road. Yuck. How many people did we offend during this episode so far? Just Haas. <laughs> Keep a running tally. Yeah. The uh, one's safe. On on the subject of both truck stops and garbage food. Uh, Jeff and I were at uh, GDC recently, so we went down to Game Developers Conference in San Francisco, and then we took a couple of days after the conference, and we went to Yosemite, and we kind of camped out there and did some hiking for a couple of days. And en route, we stopped at a couple of gas stations, and damned if we could find those fruit pies. The fruit pies that are present at every gas station in America. The Hostess fruit pies. They're not Hostess anymore, but I mean, yeah, they're like... For anybody who doesn't know what these things are, it's like imagine a pizza pop that's been frosted and stuffed full Dipped of like in icing and du- like basically and like stuck full like of cherry, pie filling yeah, or cherry pudding. Pie yeah. Filling, yeah, and they're they're oh, they're, they're simultaneously crack. awful and delicious, and they're like every bite gives you delight and, and cramps. And uh, <laughs> do, do you remember? Do you remember when uh, we were on the way to and Texas? Need for insulin. <laughs> remember when we were on the way to Cavities. Texas and Jeff packed us. <laughs> the, the, the veggies yeah. that was my saving grace man we were yeah. me and him were eating the veggies out of the bag in the back seat because you guys were eating those friggin hostess pies not me I wasn't part of your he, little no no but I couldn't I couldn't I wouldn't but do it but on the way back he was completely he, converted he it. got me hooked on those like nature valley peanut bar things too those are good I've been yeah. eating those ever since they're tasty those are good we actually got some pretty good news for uh, Nintendo Quest and the Power Tour as well oh why don't we share that no, we'll wait for next episode. Here, Give now. Give six months. <laughs> While recording. I think I think we've signed the paperwork. We're pretty close. We've uh, actually had two really big sales in North America. Uh, Lionsgate has bought Nintendo Quest and the Power Tour, as well as Super Channel in Canada. Now, there's a few deliverables pending still, but uh, for everybody that's trying to check out the Power Tour, that's why you will not be able to watch it right now, because we have disabled our North American uh, access. So everybody else around the world can still check it out, but uh, North America, you cannot... Check it out until it's now on Comic-Con HQ, right next to Pop Culture Quest, uh, hosted by Mark Hamill. Oh! Oh! How's that make you feel? Pretty good. They want it to be one of their, uh, the Super Channel in Canada for sure wants it to be their flagship show for their new video game channel that'll be playing 24 hours. It's based off a British uh, channel. And we are the first Canadian production that they're choosing to it's awesome hit up everything it's fantastic fantastic news yeah do you think mark will watch our show no <laughs> drats <laughs> no. not even not even uh not even a hint of trying to he's too busy skywalking let him down gently i'm not a huge fan of his show i gotta tell you i'm not a huge fan of it it has all the right ingredients for something i should love mark hamill collectibles collectors it just does not mix you don't even like the puppet he's got the puppet sidekick i know it should be good but it's not good I like it. I think it's good. And you liked it before you saw it. That's right. Sure did. So what do we got going on? Who wants to go first? Oh yeah, another grab bag. Melange of topics. I have so many. Oh, I want to talk about Train Spotting too. I have so many topics. Is that video games or is there a game? No. Oh, that's coming on Dreamcast, right? Yeah, yeah. Train Spotting Two, the the cinema movie, is coming in theaters, and this is something you actually want to see. (laughs) Train Spotting Two, the cinema movie. 
Easy fistful of snacks. The mo- <laughs> a movie film. Yeah, we were bummed because it, it, it's been in uh, Europe for about, what, a month now or two months? Yeah, a little over two months. Yeah, okay. And so it, it, it was supposed to drop here on the 17th? Yeah, March, St. Yeah. Patty's Day, yeah. yeah. And we, we tried to look it up, um, the three of us here, and we couldn't find a theater that had it, and it, so didn't, it, it didn't play. What I find interesting about this, this is a film that you love, Trainspotting, the original, and yet this is a sequel you want to see. Yeah. Yet typically when it yeah. comes to you, be it Dumb and Dumber or Christmas Story, you won't watch those sequels. It's a feel. It's a feel you get from it. From watching it or looking at the the art or the promo pics, and now you're going to reference Christmas Story, but it's the same thing. It's uh-huh. like when I look at it, it's like I don't think you need Christmas Story too. You don't need that. You don't need the smell of electric sets. No, Ralphie's got to get a car, and I don't even want to talk. You about know, there's it. another sequel to Christmas Story too, right? There's my, three. My summer, uh, my summer vacation or whatever. No, you don't need that. Uh, the sequel to Saturday Night Fever, which is called Staying Alive. Yeah, I've never seen it because you don't need it. But from what I understand, he goes I'm on told, Broadway. Yes, you do. My girlfriend is whispering across the room. You need it. <laughs> I, I don't know because I don't want to stain the original. I just I'm scared. But Train Spotting Two, from the moment I heard the announcement and saw the footage and stuff, I was like, yep. Yeah. It feels good. Well, what makes this interesting for me, Glenn, and then I'll let you jump in here, is that we've talked about ad nauseum about how we, how we don't need sequels for games as often as we're getting them. And yet this yeah. is something that breaks your rule. Yeah, Why does dude, it break the rule for train you? Train spotting was 1994. Six. Six. <laughs> Even Five. so, that's like, according to my math, that's like 45 years ago. Like, that's crazy. Yeah. That's where the story takes place. It's, it, it's partly based it's off... Is really good? Oh, get out of here. <laughs> it's partly based off the novel Porno, which takes place 20 years after the events of Trainspotting. So there's that. I find it interesting that you don't like sequels, but you, you love all the Star Wars movies. Ba-dum, boom! You, you are in love with every Star Wars. <laughs> every Star Wars is that there is... I am, yeah. Yeah. You don't have a problem with those sequels, so why, why would... You have a problem with them. most sequels. I, I can name off and I'm, like I'm, a bunch I'm, that that are just, good. Just, Indiana just, Jones as well. Back just, to the future. Just, just to stop you Those for two, yeah. just to stop you for a sec too, because I'm I'm with you. Like most movies, I don't feel need sequels. They're they're the ultimate like vanity project, right? You just you want to see more of the thing you like, and the studio wants you to pay money to see more of the thing you like. Yeah. And sometimes they're entertaining, but they're very rarely better. Um, so for like every Godfather two, there's. Godfather 6. Police Academy 7. <laughs> <laughs> that happens to be one of the ones I like. No. Yeah. So what's the explanation there? Why, what makes... Is it just because it's Star Wars and you bought into it or what? I think it's such a gigantic world if you're going to compare it to something like Christmas Story. Where it's such a... Like it's a little family, you know, you know on Cleveland Street. So you don't want to spin off with the Bumpuses? No. You don't, you don't need it. And you're comparing it to a galaxy that, that far, far away. Us. Come on, like you can't. I know what you're doing, but uh, there's a few exceptions, like you said. Indiana Jones. I think those are separate, isolated episodes. Yeah, because you like Temple best. Temple's my favorite. Right? Oh. See, Raiders is my favorite, but you like Temple. Do you best. know now yeah, it's called? It's now renamed Indiana Jones and the Raiders of the Lost. Of course Star. it is, because it fits yeah. with branding. Same yeah. with Star Wars. Is now Episode Four: A New Hope. 
No, so it, does the temple anyone, is not the best peanut gallery. Does anyone have any gamer talk? <laughs> no, I just thought it was interesting because when it talks about sequels, we're getting inundated with sequels, of course, for all different games that keep coming out. It's like... Now, do you feel like sequels are always inferior when it comes to games? Because I find frequently they're better. Uh, Dep- depends. Yeah. It depends. Because depends. with games, you do have technical considerations too, right? So there's things like, you know, they clean up the controls or they make a system work better. Or, I think on the on the technical and aesthetic side, they're usually on par or better. But usually, it's the story side that suffers, and that's the thing that people remember most. Yeah, they're dragging the story out. Like in, for instance, Mega Man, Uncharted, Uncharted, yeah, Halo. But I would also look at something like Resident Evil Four. Mm-hmm. And I would argue that that's probably my favorite game in the series. And how, what about Resident Evil 5, 6, or 7? Uh, Resident Evil 5 is okay, 6 is terrible, 7 I haven't played yet. Right. So what does that tell you, though? And where, where does Resident Evil 2 and 3 sit in the pantheon of Resident yeah. Evil titles? Yeah. Exactly. So they got lucky after they screwed up twice and they gave you one that was good. They gave me. They gifted me. Yeah, they gave you one for your sixty dollars. Like, hey, hey Stanbuck, you earned this. Hey Stanbuck, that's a good question. Why do we? Why do we keep coming back? Because it's familiar and it's comfortable. A lot of these titles, whether it's movies, music, or games, speak to us in a certain way that resonate with us ongoing. We want to keep coming back to those themes why and is get it, it right. Why is Zelda the biggest thing in creation right now? I don't know. I really don't know. Frankly, I don't know. It's because it's familiar. Is it's, it's your answer? But I don't. It seems familiar, but it's that's maybe why I don't like it. Now I've been watching Mr. Bartlett now, here. We we talk about Zelda now, right? Yeah, that <laughs> would be that would be that's the, the obvious now? segue. Thank God. Jay was just playing it. He was. He's been nonstop playing. Can't it. stop playing. I haven't yeah. seen you play a video game yeah. since December when we recorded. Now, now full disclosure, uh, I have a Switch and I have Zelda and I played maybe about ninety <laughs> minutes of it, but I've been so busy, I just have not had a lot of time to just. Must sit be nice to have a Switch. It. it is switch off, Stan Buck. Yeah. And, and I will space. say too that I haven't played much more of that. I've played. Uh, no, I played much more than that. <laughs> Actually, I've played much more. Played that. more than that tonight. Yeah. What, do you, what do you think of it? <sighs> Where do I even start? Good, bad, happy, sad. What were your expectations going in? I didn't have much hope. First of all, you're playing the Wii U version. I yeah, I'm playing the Wii U. Clear, I did. Yeah. I, I have not got a Switch yet. Because I'm poor. Money too. But uh, it's the same game anyway. Um, so tell I, that to everybody. I, I, I did not like. Switch. I did not like Twilight Princess. I didn't like Skyward Sword. Have you liked anything since Majora's? You didn't like Wind Waker either, or Four Swords. I, I didn't or... like Wind Wind Waker. I mean, I didn't hate them, but I just I didn't want to like just dive into it. Right? Like I, I get it, but I didn't I didn't like it. This one is. Absolutely insane. It's brilliant. Describe the insanity that is so alluring to you. I'm a big fan of scale. One of the earliest memories I can think of is Banjo Kazooie in the Pirates Cove when you can see like on the top of a mountain like a chest and you can actually go and get it. This this is all that. This is like I'm sure everyone's seen there's been a map comparisons. They put Twilight Princess and Skyrim and all these other maps inside the uh, Breath of the Wild map. You can fit like 17 Skyrims in Breath of the Wild or something crazy like that. And it's a little bit overwhelming, but when you sit there and, and, and you're just like looking at the draw distance, you look at the mountains, and you can actually go to all that stuff. It's really overwhelming. But it's so freaking good. 
and the fact that you're not just linked with the green with the sword and the shield you can get like pitchforks and sticks and you have a hood and it's it's awesome what are your big uh, knocks against the game oh the the degrading of the weapons I, I can't stand that so you pick up like a, a club or something and you whack a guy maybe like 10 times and it breaks and it's gone I don't like that. But doesn't that just lengthen the gameplay and make you make more strategic choices on how you use the stuff because you have to craft new items or find new stuff and it's more realistic? Yeah. And and to be fair, I haven't done a dungeon yet. I understand there's four dungeons, there's four major beasts, uh, but I've done all these like a bunch of these shrines, which are really cool, but there's no real enemies in it. It's more like puzzle stuff. Um, I don't know. Do you like the weapons breakings? Have you got that? I've, I've never been a fan of, of weapon degradation. Yeah. Um, I don't find it's a huge... Like, there's just so much stuff you get. I haven't found it to be too detracting from my enjoyment of the game so far. Yeah. Um, it's uh, it's funny because, like, it is familiar, but it's really different. Like, they've they've really kind of thrown out the, the, the old Zelda rule book with this game, and that's... Yeah. It's incredibly refreshing, and I feel like that's why people are responding to it the way they are. Um, it's hard as hell, too. Like, it's difficult. And it's been a yeah. long time since I've played a Zelda game and actually found it to be difficult. Like, it, if, you, if you're not, if you don't respect that game, we talked about that with Destiny, right? Where it's like you can run the same strike X number of times and think you know it like the back of your hand, and then, you know, you take one wrong step and suddenly, like, over, yeah. you're wiping endlessly, right? And it's, yeah. it's like, so yeah, you might, you might get comfortable with it, but you're never quite on top of it. And I feel that way about Zelda, too. Yeah. So, like, it's really easy to just take, you know, you get a little too eager to do something and you take a club in the head and, like, two-thirds of your life's gone. Um, yeah. Oh, yeah. Those, yeah, they hit you hard. It's weird though. You look at like I have the same problem that I have a GTA Five, where I'm glad it's as big as it is, but, but it's like, as big as it is, and that's that's a detractant for me. Oh, ADD. It's just like, oh, what's that? What's that? What's that? Yeah, it's what's like that? knowing like, your gaming tastes as I do, Rob, uh, and knowing that you're kind of more into the bite-sized experiences lately. Um, I can see where you'd have a really tough time with that game. Yeah, I mean... Because I, that's, that's been my issue, right? That's the reason I played so little of it. It's just really hard to just jump into yeah. it and jump out. The fact that the Switch is portable really helps with that. Because the time I have gotten with it is, you know, I'm at work and I'm on lunch. And I eat, eat my food and I kill the next 40 minutes or whatever playing Zelda. Uh, and the fact that you can do that is actually kind of nice. And, and the fact that the shrines are built in such a way that they're kind of bite-sized. So you can kind of go yeah. in and have this kind of cool experience with the puzzle and... And knock it off, and then cool, you're done, and you can you set it to one side and come back to it later. Um, but I can see where you'd have trouble with that because there is that temptation to want to just kind of sit got, there and sink a couple hours. I've got it. too many RPGs that I'd rather play, for, given my history and lack of a love affair with Zelda and the Water Temple and the boots or the switches or whatever you want to call it. It just it's, it wasn't a system mover for me to get a Switch and sure. as a Wii U owner, which I, and I love that system and I love that library. Um, it would be the, the way I would play it, like Jay's playing it, but it's just, it's just not enough for me. I'd rather keep playing XCOM 2. I'd rather play Tales, <coughs> the four games I've got lined up, or I'd even rather dive into Final Fantasy, despite the knocks that that's been getting, than, uh, than jump into Breath of the Wild. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, uh, I don't, I don't have a Wii U anymore, so like part of my reason to get part of my decision to get the Switch was 
the fact that I knew I wanted to play Zelda and I needed something to play it on. So well, it's kind of it like, well, I might like well get the new console, console right? right? Um, I don't know if I would have done that if I'd had a Wii U to play it on. Uh, I don't regret having it. Uh, it. It's a cool piece of hardware, and like I'm definitely really looking forward to seeing what they. When do we get with. Tiny Rails on Switch? <laughs> I don't think that's. I don't think that's happening. Yeah. But, uh, yeah. Well, we got to worry about Steam first. All right. I'm with but, you there. I don't think if they didn't have Zelda to launch with the Switch, the Switch would have done well, but not not what it's. I think doing that's now. that's helped. Yeah. It the is the system mover yeah. right now. Oh, yeah. sold They're smart. So man. many units. They did the same thing with uh, when they launched the Wii. They had Twilight Princess on the GameCube and on the Wii. Like they're. It's bright. It's a brain. And the Wii U had <laughs> nothing. Not really. <laughs> How was the launch for the Switch? Since you worked at a video game retailer, was it exciting? I forgot oh, yeah. that it was launching. It, it was great. It was midnight. Uh, no, 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 no midnights here in Canada. But uh, well, at least we're my city. But uh, yeah, it was exciting. It was great to see everybody pumped. But again, it was Link. It was Zelda, and that's all it was. Everyone I think by holidays, it. when Mario Odyssey finally yeah. comes around, you're going to see a lot of systems getting moved. Yeah, and we're going to have like the deluxe edition of Mario Kart 8 is yeah. in the summer. Right? And Splatoon 2. In um, April. So you're, by, by Christmas I already, you're you, going to have four IPs. I am, have... I am so glad they're doing the re-release of Mario Kart 8 on it. I know, I know we crap on re-releases and repacks and stuff like that, but like I said, not having a Wii U and loving Mario Kart 8 as much as I do... To be so able how to, did you play Mario Kart 8 then? Well, I had I had a Wii U. I don't know. Okay, so that makes sense. Um, so there you go. But to, to have the opportunity to get the game again and get all the DLC with it and get the proper battle mode, which was the only thing the original game was lacking. So that brings like a huge question, like what happens year two for the Switch? Because if year one you have Zelda, Mario, Mario Kart, and Splatoon 2. Obviously the answer is Metroid. We've been saying that ever since we it, started the show. It better be. Please let the answer be Metroid. Glenn just made it with the microphone. Derek. Um, yeah. It, it's interesting to see that people were like lukewarm on it in the gamer circles I saw online, and then all of a sudden, when they, once they got their hands on Breath of the Wild, it's like, oh my god, the best thing ever. Mm-hmm. Darren Griffin from Warp Zone didn't pre order Zelda or, or, or a Switch, and then he got it. He's like, he loves it now. He, he said it was the best Nintendo game ever made. I uh, actually said that. I pre ordered my Switch because I knew that knowing Nintendo, if I didn't pre order one, I wasn't going to get one until like November. So I figured I might as well get one while the getting was good. And we were gone that weekend because we were still in San Francisco when it launched. Sure. So we woke up that morning and started reading the reviews. <laughs> And then started like cursing our luck that we weren't back home, <laughs> able to pick up our our Switch pre-orders yet because uh, we were seeing all these like nine out of ten and ten out of ten reviews rolling out. And um, I have to say, I, I I'm really enjoying it so far. I'm really looking forward to getting like a solid weekend where I can just kind of sit down and spend a little time with it. But um, but so far so good, and I, I do like that it has been really surprising in a lot of ways, and it is really refreshing in a lot of ways. It kind of it, it really is. It's the game that they needed to do Link Between Worlds to get to, I think. You know, they had to do Link Between Worlds and play around with some of the traditional conventions of Zelda first in a little bit more familiar setting, and then they could go kind of go hog wild and go, okay, here's this completely different thing now. And, and it's just weird to have a Zelda game that's kind of influenced by Skyrim and Dark Souls, and yeah. that, that's a little weird. 
yeah. uh, but it's uh, it's cool. Why do you talk to us about uh, GDC, the Game Developers Conference? What was yes. that like? This is your first experience it's going to one. My first time going to GDC. So uh, for anybody who doesn't know Game Developers Conference... And why were you there and what were you trying to yeah, do? It's held uh, every year in San Francisco uh, at the Moscone uh, Convention Center. And it's an industry-only event. So uh, you, it's not unfair to compare it to something like E3, but it is for... Or for people. Yeah, or PAX, but it, it's not for the general public. It's for people who work in games. So... Uh, developers, artists, um, uh, promo people, like ad network people, like a- anybody who works in the industry in some way, that's kind of the place to be. And it's part expo where they have like a show floor and they kind of show off stuff very much like they would at uh, at something like an E3. Uh, I think the difference is you do have a lot of people showing off stuff that is kind of product but not necessarily games, right? So you'll have like a company showing off their motion capture tech sure because they want to sell it to somebody so they can use it in their game yeah sort of thing and like unity will show has like a huge show floor presence where they show off uh, a bunch of games that were made using that game engine but it's less about showing off the games and more about hey look at all this amazing stuff that people used our engine to make so you should use our engine too sort of thing um so it's a little bit different in that respect and then there are um there are uh, sessions and, and like talks and that kind of thing too so um, and in that regard, it's, uh, Jay, for somebody who's been to like, you know, managers conferences with, yes. uh, with a certain retailer we won't name, um, that part might be a little familiar to you. It's not, it's not quite as sales many as that, but, yeah. uh, you'll have people come in to do talks and it'll be like reps from the different companies going, Hey, here's, here's, here's some tips on how to use this platform to do this. Um, and then you'll have just general kind of people from the industry. So like one of the talks we went to is, uh. I forget the guy's name, but he worked on uh, Hyperlight Drifter. Sure. And uh, he's with Square Enix now. And he did a talk that was basically about just kind of like day-to-day life in game dev. But he had like one of the composers from from, uh, from Drifter was like doing like live music with him while he was doing this kind of essay that he was talking, like reciting. And uh, cool. somebody else was doing like kind of like live like scenery changes on the on the, uh, the monitors in the background. And that was just kind of neat. Like, and it wasn't really anything instructional or anything. It was just kind of like, here's somebody who, who made a game that, um, is really well respected and has won awards and people love, uh, and who has a job with a, a massive company now who still kind of questions, you know, what he does every day and like his ability to, to kind of be the person that he's supposed to be and that kind of thing. So, so you have everything from like, that to uh, there was a guy there from the technical team that made uh, a below uh, who was talking about like the lighting effects in the game and it was just the most hardcore code thing you could even imagine like like just blowing Jeff and I like our, our minds completely out of the water because we just could not keep up with the kind of stuff he was talking about so uh, it, it's pretty great and the other major portion of it is uh, it's a major networking event because everybody's there so uh, every company seemingly in the tech industry has an office in San Francisco. So there's, there's uh, a lot of parties and like social events where you get a chance to meet. Uh, I heard uh, about some of the parties because one of the companies I work with digital dreams behind mutant football league, yep. which we did really well on Kickstarter. We with. saw their, uh, we saw their booth actually. Oh, did you go talk to there? Michael? On that I didn't night? get a chance to speak to them because we had, we had, we had so many meetings going on, but we, we saw the booth and kind of, Made note of it. Look, kind of looked at it in a little bit. Yeah, a little bit. A little, yeah, little, little glance there. Well, we did really well on Kickstarter. We ended with 138,000 plus. 
which is good. And uh, they were in the pitch contest. And uh, I know they had a fantastic GDC, but Michael said one of the parties, they just got absolutely trashed. Because it was just fun meeting, talking to different people yeah. and having beers and stuff. So, overall. It, it's a fine line because you want to do the networking, but you're also trying to do business. So That's somehow, sometimes how you do business. Well, and, and that's true. But uh, sometimes it's also how you don't do business. Uh, so, we'll shout out already <laughs> to Mutant Football League. Uh, thanks for everybody that contributed to that campaign. I appreciate uh, the, the love and support there, and that she'll be on PCs in a few months, probably six months, and then consoles early next year. Uh, I did want to give it one more Kickstarter shout-out. It's a campaign that's live right now. It's for Battle Princess Madeline. Now, this is uh, a project that our good friend John McCarthy, who does all the audio for everything Nintendo nice. Quest is working on, and he's doing the soundtrack for this as well. Uh, and uh, one of his colleagues who I've got to know over the last year or so, Christopher Obertrich, uh, this game is basically evolved. It's like a Ghosts and Goblins or Ghouls and Ghosts kind of clone. And his daughter kept watching him play play it over and over. And she said, "Oh, that's awesome! That would be great. I'd love I'd love to be kind of in that game." But Daddy, you know, girls can't be knights. And he said, "Screw that!" And he made a game basically around her. That's awesome. So that she could feel like she was a protagonist and that, you know, you break gender stereotype roles. So it, it's doing incredibly well. They hit their goal in like two and a half days on Kickstarter. And now they're uh, doing a bunch of different stretch goals. They're going to be on Wii U, Switch, PC, Xbox, PS4. Check it out. There's a lot of great Kickstarter stuff out there you can get, including uh, physical releases via limited run games. It, uh, these, these guys are putting their you know blood, sweat, and tears into this like so many of us do. So Sounds great. Check out Battle Princess Madeline on Kickstarter. It's good. Oh. <laughs> Jay's eating the snack mix in front of us. What did you guys think of the Disney Afternoon Pack? Uh, you know, I, I just heard about that, and I didn't really get all the details, but it, it, it's a pack of the old, like... NES games. The like Capcom NES stuff. Uh, it's, well... Some of it. Little Mermaid is not included in it. Even though it's a Disney title. It's DuckTales 1 and 2, Rescue Rangers 1 and 2, Darkwing, and Tailspin. So basically, it's cool. the Disney Afternoon cartoons. What do you guys think of that? It's 20 bucks. comes out mid-April. It's They're not remakes. They're not like the remastered versions they're of DuckTales. They're just Duck like Tales. ports, yeah. Exact ports, emulators, or ROM. It's cool, man. For 20 bucks. Anyone likes that kind of stuff, you can't always get the cards. You know, they're very expensive, so it's great. Yeah, DuckTales 2 is incredible. Yeah, like I was right? slapping my lips about it. I'm like, oh, big whoop. And Rob's like, what about DuckTales 2? Rescuing this I'm like, oh, yeah. Oh, damn. So, uh, of course, as soon as it hits, everybody's like, where's Little Mermaid? And how come we can't have this? And how come we can't have that? Nobody said Little Mermaid. No, Little Mermaid was a part of Disney Afternoon. I know, but it was a Disney Capcom game. So everybody's like, everybody. Else, why does everybody point to the thing that they don't got instead of being happy for what they do have? What about Finding Nemo? What about them? Did you find him? Found him. Now what? No, Great. no, Little this. Nemo. Little Nemo, the Dream Master. That's oh, one. there you go. Okay. Uh, uh, speak, speaking of Disney Afternoon, Rob, what are your feelings on that uh, the new DuckTales trailer? Uh, optimistic. <laughs> yeah. Cautiously, perhaps. Um, I don't mind the animation style. The voice acting doesn't really bother me. I want to see how much Donald's involved in the show now. He seems. He to looks a little of, more prominent. Yeah, much. Uh, he was in, I think, a handful of episodes of the original series. Um, but he seems much more like the comic relief and stuff. And this, and this time, like, that, more of a staple. Hey, hey, Mr. McD. 
Where's Where's Darkwing? That's what I want to know. Are you a fan of David Tennant as uh, Scrooge? <clears throat> it's not horrible. I mean, it's part of the reboot process, right? Alan Young passed away, so we obviously can't get his voice and his pipes back. So, just give me some Darkwing. I lo- I I don't know what I like better the the adventure treasure hunting of Ducktales or the crime fighting of of Darkwing with the Batman like parodies. You know, hey DW. Don't look at me like that. You're just looking for. I'm looking for some sort of some sort of reaction. Imitation, yeah. Yeah, I need some qualifications there. What uh, do you guys want to hear the the headlines that I've looked at? Oh, 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 I I had forgotten the headline searching was such a big part of our. It's our process. ongoing segment, brought to us by Amoto Arcade. Check out Amoto Arcade on YouTube and on Facebook. She just posted a video where she threw down the gauntlet for a Japanese snack challenge, where she's challenging another page to see who can eat the most snacks without vomiting and and digesting. And you know how curated those snacks are. I do. All right, I got three headlines here. They're both pulled from Polygon and Kotaku. Oh, thank God! True journalism! The first two are pulled from Polygon, and the last one is pulled by Kotaku. And I will tell you, looking at both of them, Kotaku has a whole bunch of schlock. I could have easily pulled 15 from them alone. But I I pushed myself. And I went back from, from where we are now to all the way to December looking at headlines. So the first one is, Sailor Moon really loves Ford cars. Apparently, this is journalism, and she loves the Ford brand. And I didn't click on it, but that's the headline. She's not real. Apparently, that's <laughs> Ford me. cars are. Next. Nintendo is skeptical that Switch docks are scratching screens. Now, we've seen a bunch of pictures all over the place, and yet Reggie says, Oh, this isn't a thing at all. So I find it interesting that Nintendo okay, is skeptical. You know what? Yeah, but people used to throw their Wii remotes to their TV screens, yeah. too, and I never understood that. I'm pointing the finger at you and saying that you are a responsible gamer. I'm a responsible gamer. You, eh, not so much, but you're good. Who is scratching these screens? What are you doing to these screens? People blame Nintendo. It's like, what are you doing? The notion is that they put, they're put they putting the Switch back in the dock, and it's being scratched by the inside of yeah, the Yeah, but dock. focus on the headline, <sighs> Nintendo Skeptical. Yeah, because everyone's an idiot who's doing that. I'm sorry, but it's just like put it. We're back. reporting on it, skepticism it, at this point. It, it, if you can't, point. if you can't put it in the cradle, you shouldn't have a system. Sorry, but seriously, give me, a, give me a break, man. All right, here, here's the last headline. This is courtesy of Kotaku. Star Wars: The Last Jedi's red font is cause for concern. Star Wars: The Last Jedi's red font. It's cause for concern. Who's it concerning, by the way? No, we got Who are these people who can't sleep at night because Ryan Johnson's font is red? Ryan Johnson is Breaking Bad fame and yeah. in a few Looper and some other stuff. Well, it can't have a red font because it's cause for concern. About what? That Luke's going to be a bad guy? I don't know. It's cause for concern. All I know is I better click it to ease my concern. Click the headline. Those are the headlines. Thanks again to Moto Arcade. Check out her Japanese snack videos. Watch them. If uh, if you had to write a ridiculous Kotaku headline, Rob, what would it be? It would be nothing. Oh, 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 hold on. If you had to write a ridiculous Kotaku headline about Nintendo Quest, what would it be? <laughs> okay, so now you're framing it because usually Kotaku headlines don't necessarily have anything to do with video games. Unfortunately, oh. Nintendo Quest has something to do with video games. So if it was about Nintendo Quest, it would be like... Road trip gone awry, see how it failed, video games. <laughs> like, it would just be incoherent. 
And there would be like a hashtag in there to do it. I think that's what would yeah. be the plan. Yeah. Jay? Kotaku headline. Headline uh, challenge. That's a good one. This is good. I'd say like... Uh, two best friends make video game dog. This is too good. But how close friends are they? Let's see clickbait. Like so they'd be like pit us against each other kind of thing. Yeah. Friends or foes, video game doc yeah. tells us more. Nintendo Quest's lack of Flintstones is cause for concern. <laughs> <laughs> Nintendo Quest with lack of Nintendo, cause for concern. <laughs> Anything with cause for concern, that, that makes a Kotaku article. I just want to throw something out here. <laughs> or, or we went down to Georgia and smoked a lot of meat. <laughs> <laughs> Do you remember that? That's probably the best yeah. headline. That's the best Kotaku headline. Person in Georgia smokes a lot of meat. It's like, what? <laughs> the other game I want to talk about besides Zelda, how much Zelda's great, is Resident Evil 7. Anyone have any kind of... They want to play it or... I I have not played Resident Evil Seven yet. Uh, I've heard amazing things about it, yeah. But I haven't played it yet. We did do this, and this is not related to Resident Evil direct uh, Resident Evil Seven directly. But uh, once again, while we were in San Francisco, Residents. Resident Evil Seven. We found out before we went to San Francisco that the uh, Capcom was doing a Resident Evil Escape experience. They were touring mm-hmm. around the U.S. and they happened to be in San Francisco when we were there. Uh, so. Uh, you Jeff know there's had, a Zelda one now too, right? I've heard that. Yeah. Uh, Jeff and I had a couple of our buddies did that, so we got to do that one night, and that was uh, that was actually pretty cool. Wow. That was fun. It wasn't like like scary. It was like all puzzle based, but uh, but it was like one of the rooms was like the star's office, and another one was like an umbrella lab and stuff like that. And you had to kind of work your way in and out of those rooms to try Very and get cool. out. Yeah, it was cool. Uh, but no, I I've never really played too much Resident Evil to be honest. I Watched you play it and get scared, and then you went and handed me the controller because you're player one. Did you play in VR? No. Can no. you imagine playing in VR? No. So, but that I saw they had the barn set up again at GDC. By the looks of they it, they did. I didn't get a chance to go in. Now, is that were they doing the VR demos in there? And that's what I. Yeah, they had the VR demos in, in the barn, and it was at E3 and at PAX uh, West, and then I, that's why I reckon we tried to, and uh, like PAX was ridiculous. We could not get in. PAX was a. A gong show. I, I would never go to PAX. Ever, ever, ever. Hmm. If I could go to anything again, would, I would never go to PAX. Um, E3 last year was great because it was the size of PAX, but it was breathable. You could get around. You never had any trouble playing games or talking to anybody. PAX was just like flooded with mouth breathers left, right, and center with people trying to drool over controllers. I'm just, you know what? I'm good. I'm I'm good. I don't need your snotty little tissue I fingers just, all over the stuff or having to weave in and out of your, you know, your we, we went mom to, jeans. We went to PAX South in San Antonio. Now you were you were at PAX West, West. Seattle. We we were at PAX South in San Antonio a couple of weeks later, and they had a they had a line for Switch first off, and and Jeff got in the line for that um, because he wanted to play Zelda. Got to the end of the line like. An hour and forty-five later, or he waited two hours, and it wasn't even the Zelda line. It was for everything but Zelda. Zelda had its own line, and it was like a multi-hour line. And we we would go there first thing in the morning when we got in, and there was no chance. It was already 
But E3 wasn't much better for Zelda, let me say. Like, it was an eight-hour line the second the door opened, and you had to run to get that yeah. special coin. And I just could not be bothered. And it was the same thing with Resident Evil. Like, they were out of tickets by, you know, 10.30 yeah. in the morning. Every but morning. everything else at E3 was great. Like, you could talk to, like, execs and VPs at different companies. and It was cool to do stuff like the indie sections where you can wander around and play some indie games and talk to the developers there like that that was a different story but if you wanted to play anything that had any major name recognition at all good luck to you yeah like you 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 had to give up half your day to make it happen and i just wasn't willing to do that well why would you you know why would you give up half your day mm-hmm. to do that when you know i can go over to tiny builds booth and play speedrunners with a bunch of people or 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 whatever right and that's that was as much fun yeah. But yeah, no Resident Evil 7 for me. Um, did you grab it? Yeah. And? That's why I started talking about it before we went off a tangent about PAX. Well, I wasn't sure if you just saw it on the shelf and you oh, wanted to talk about it. Fantastic. Um, How much of it have you played? About half. That's about a half. decent chunk. And it's back into the scary house. And they've done something obviously different. It's first person now. So that in itself is terrifying. The graphics are fantastic. And it's like a inbred hick family texas chainsaw kind of thing now yeah and it's friggin terrifying the game is terrifying any bud light hats there's been there's been a few bud light hats but there's a few things if you screw up or if an enemy gets you you'll lose a limb like your your hand will get cut off if you go to block and the machete will go through it and then you're you're holding your stump and you're actually bleeding (sighs) out You'll lose your leg and stuff like that. Like, it's just, it's crazy, man. And it's very, very scary. There's a lot of jump scares. Uh, I'm telling you, you have to play Layers of Fear when you can. Especially the VR version that I guess. I'm not doing any VR RE7 or even that, uh, whatever the on rails one was. Because it's terrifying, man. Forget it. Forget we, it. We got, a, we got an HTC uh, Vive uh, VR headset at the office. And I remember Jeff and Carson were trying to find... Somebody did a mod to make Alien Isolation, like, VR compatible. And I was oh, like, wow. nope. Hard pass. Thanks, no. Yeah. I still gotta play that game. It's on my list. That game is so tense just without the VR. I cannot even imagine. Yeah. So you've been, you've been playing Zelda. you played Zelda and Resident Evil. Are there any other games that you guys have really been playing? I I have been so pulled out of games recently. Like, it took it took Zelda to get me back in. Now that I'm in, I, I definitely want to... Uh, I definitely want to do some catching up. So uh, I'd like to check out RE7. I still haven't played Uncharted 4. Um, also on my list. Let's talk about something recent. I want to talk about... This just came out Tuesday. It's been getting huge, like... Troll? It's been getting like uh, uh, 60s yes. up to 80s, and it's a series that you're a big fan of, Glenn. Yeah. Let's talk about uh, Mass Effect Andromeda. Yeah, I uh, I haven't picked it up yet. I probably will. Is um, it a Switch? No, no. No, so I'll probably pick it up for Expo. PS4. PS4. The other two in PC. Um, but uh, yeah, rumor has it, just based on the reviews I've read, that it's got some real major issues on the technical side. Yep. Uh, on the design side, uh, that there's you know a good game to be had there, and that that it can be an enjoyable experience. But it is this a patchable be, thing? Uh, it's for the most part, it sounds like it. Um, but, but there's been a lot of criticism of the facial animation quality. Um, for me, what I've heard is, besides that is like the characters are very just blah. I've heard that too. 
Uh, I've heard that the scale doesn't seem to be as big as the original Mass Effect games, which is kind of disappointing because it's in a brand new galaxy and that was kind of supposed to be the appeal of it, right? Yeah. Um, uh, I have heard that the quest design is pretty, like, dishwater. Like, it's very much like you do the same quest over and over again. You just do it in a different place. Yeah. And there's actually a line of dialogue at one point where somebody's like, oh, great, another ambush. And the player's like, yep, yeah, that's that's about right. Um, wow. So I've heard that the, the mission design is just really uninspired. Um for the most part, like there are some exceptions, I guess, like the loyalty missions and and some of the other stuff is pretty good. I've heard there's some really good character moments and like story stuff beyond the characters being kind of meh, but um, but yeah, it's not it, it has not been getting a great response. I'm not surprised by this, I have to say, really, because I gotta say when they've been when they start promoting this game, I it was feels sh- like such a like kind of okay, we'll do one. You know what I mean? You know, like, and, here's something, whatever. What really concerned me was like a heart. how far, how close we got to release of that game, and nobody had seen anything on it. Yeah. Because we were talking, like, they were talking about it coming out in March, and we were just starting to hear about it in, like, the fall, and they weren't even showing footage. And it's like, you're going to have this thing out in March, and you're not even showing it to us? You see, and this is, not to digress, but this is what I told the Mutant Football League guys. I'm like, if you guys have a playable demo where people can play it, and we can find a way to make it work for Kickstarter backers. Let them play it. Don't hold that back. And say, like, why don't you have a demo? Yeah, right? it's like, like why, don't you have why are you just showing us like these the same footage we've seen for six months? I'm like, give them the game to play. But I mean, like, not even game footage, but just like they had the the, the teaser trailer and then seven day where it was like basically a voiceover trailer. Over like a was CG it, cut scene that was with the shepherd guy on the bridge, and we're supposed to yeah, all be grateful like, they showed us that. It's like, come on, and it's just it's it's incredible that it's just to think that they were going to turn around the game that quickly and not even show anybody anything. It was really late in the game before we really started seeing any gameplay, and that that really concerned me from the get go. So I got to say, I'm not I'm not surprised because to me, if you're not showing your game, it usually means that it's just not ready to show yet well on the on the cinema side it's like nobody seems to realize that the next Pirates of the Caribbean movie is coming out in a month and a half because mm. they just dropped yeah. the latest trailer like in March and they, they had a teaser trailer last July and that was it and it's, it's like yeah. yeah the dude from uh, it's Javier no, Bardem no yeah. country Javier Bardem. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. yeah yeah but He's like cool, man. but usually a film like that and you know given the history you'd hear about it non-stop all the way leading up to yeah, it. you'd have weird. interviews you'd have still shots and stuff and I, I remember working, and it was just this Tuesday, right? I, I worked the launch of Mass Effect, and it was... A few people trickled in. I was like, really? This is Mass Effect. like." And I've never played any of the Mass Effect games. I own them all, of course. Yeah. By the time the third it. one came out, it was just... It was enormous. Massive, and of course, yeah. they had the, the ending that was up for debate and stuff. But even so, people still feel the need to, even though they didn't like the ending, they oh, i got to get the new one. Well, sure. And it was just like, it's dead. It was dead. And it's not like we got saturated with those things either. I mean, nope. there were three of them, but there were three of them over a decent period of time. But like you had all these, these these characters that you just fell in love with, and and through the three games, when they died, you were like... Wait a second. You're like, oh, crap, you know, whoever. Spoiler alert. Well, like it's, it's, not, whoever it's, it's, not, it's not really because it's based... I'm just kidding. Because it's based on what the player does, right? So, like, you can have a game yeah. where, like, Garrus dies, or you can have a game where Garrus lives, so... Yeah, yeah. Okay, that's going to change how I play the game. Like, like, you can kill off your entire crew by the end of Mass Effect yeah. 2 if you really want to or play the game a certain way, right? Um, I'm trying to kill off Bruce Wayne and Telltale's Batman. It's not going so well. No, no luck. Oh, you know, 
you bringing that up reminded me of one thing, which is there is one other game I played between like last fall and Zelda, and it was you played one game. Uh, Walking Dead season three. I played the first two episodes of that. Oh, cool! The new one drops soon for Telltale. Yeah, the next episode drops real soon. You haven't played the Batman one, huh? I haven't yet. No, I'm surprised. It's, it's twenty bucks on PS3. Um, I like it. I'm only two episodes in. Love it. I love it. I love it. I love it. It's it's an interesting kind of twist on the whole. Batman story, I've only played that and really XCOM 2. I've played a lot of Tiny Rails, as you know. Oh, yeah. And, uh, again, going back to Game Dev Story, I can't stop playing that game from Kairosoft. And 3s, still playing that. I think, um, and again, like knowing that you're kind of into those bite-sized game experiences right now, the Telltale stuff is just tailor-made for that. It's perfect. It's like, like, I one, can, it's like an hour and a half to two hours Exactly, tops. I can blow through it in an evening and like feel like a... And it's the kind of thing that, you know, I can sit there with a significant other and say, what do you want to do? It's because it's so choose-your-own adventure. It's really, really great to kind of sit there and kind of figure out that story together without having to be so game-heavy, you know, and like a a single kind of player experience. I just Mm -hmm. love what Telltale's doing. And ironically, or oddly enough, their CEO stepped down today. Oh, really? Yeah, their CEO stepped down. There was no reasons given why or anything like that, but... uh, It'll be interesting. And didn't they just announce a Guardians of the Galaxy Telltale game? They did. So that'll be interesting to see what happens with them. I think that's a, a really good comic property for them to kind of do like chapter-based material, given that it's like, what's the case they're up against next? Mm-hmm. Versus something like Spider-Man, which seems a little bit more serialized. Well, and it lends them, it lends itself to their strengths, too, which would be like, you know, the dialogue and the writing. Yeah. Very immersive sure. stuff. I still have to finish Game of Thrones, which was excellent through three chapters of, of that series. So good. I, did you ever play Game I, of Thrones? I Soto? still to this day have no connection to Game of Thrones at all. Oh, really? I, th- I thought you'd watch it. Show. Game of Thrones sucks, baby! What was that? What was that other voice? I feel I feel like the only person on the planet who has had literally no contact with Game of Thrones. It's it's very enjoyable, but it, I, I would recommend like my Breaking Bad approach. Like I got into Breaking Bad just as season four started to air, so I got to binge watch seasons one, two, and three, yeah. and then catch up. You know what's like? It's like The Young and the Restless meets Barbarians. You want to watch that? Have a good time. Hot tip. Anything with dragons, pirates, and treasure, I'm in. Sisters have sex with brothers, and it's just... So you why know, don't you like it? Oh, glad we missed Pytober this year. I posted it you when I was at Sherry's. Yeah, yeah, I remember. Sherry's Pie. Ah, uh, Sherry's. The Pie Cafe. Oh, it's over. So I read an interesting article online that was actually worthwhile of my time, and it said that uh, digital board game sales are going through the roof right now, and every time they seem to put out a new digital port of a physical board game, it triples the physical sales. Huh. And this is by a company, I forget the name right now, but they bought like a bunch of other ones like uh, Fantasy Flight and World of Wonder for the digital licenses of that stuff. And every time they release a new port, the physical stuff uh, triples. So that's something that we've talked about for a long time, you know, physical versus digital. And then we've even talked about digital versions of board games in the past and how those translate. What do you guys think of that stat that when a digital IP is created for a board game kind of thing it actually triples the physical I believe it you, you sit there and you'll play it like remember a long time ago we played Risk on Genesis right yeah and then it just makes you want to experience it with your buddies like what's Risk 4 players I think it's up to 6 yeah okay so you can do like 2 players on Genesis I think and it's like hey man you know what would be really cool is if we all got together and we're a little bit more social and 
played it on the table with the physical pieces, blah, blah, blah. That's uh, I can see it totally. That's interesting to me. I, I, I would look at that almost like the notion of a Marvel film being released and it causing like, sales of the comic to go up. Yeah. Which is interesting yeah. because you know what Marvel did? They canceled their Fantastic Four line because of Fox because and what they had done with the movie. Wow. Because they didn't want the movie there to were, pack comic sales. For a long time there, there were rumors they were doing the same thing with X-Men because they'd really downplayed X-Men over the last five years or so. Right. Um, because, and uh, the rumor was, well, they don't have rights to the property for their own line of films, so they're trying to make it less visible and... Uh, that's why they were really promoting like Inhumans as much as they are on like Agents of Shield and, sure. and comic and stuff like that. And yet, uh, now the biggest story in Marvel Comics is they're doing this huge like X Men Renaissance relaunch in the summer, and kind of going back to '90s style uh, ideas like the the red and or, or the uh, the blue and the gold team and like oh, cool. similar teams and like having having some similar characters on each team and that sort of thing. But um, that's a uh, so that is interesting, but but you're absolutely right. Like the Fantastic Four have really been downplayed in the wake of how yeah. poorly Fox. But seriously, is they that. they canceled the line. We talked to our mutual good friend, dear friend of mine, I won't name names, Jordan Morris, um, who basically kind of dug up all this stuff and said once Josh Trank's movie bombed recently, and I don't know if you guys have seen the most re- recent iteration of Fantastic. Uh, I, it, it ain't good. I've seen snippets of it on the... It, do, 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 it you not remember tr- the fam- do you not remember the famous episode where, where yeah. Jay finally admitted to having watched a modern Marvel movie? And we're like, oh, which one was it? He's like, yeah. Fantastic, Fantastic Four. Of course. <laughs> of all the modern Marvel movies, he picks one from Fox that was the least successful track record. Um, but what about yeah. the new episode, the new thing on Netflix, Cage? No, that's old. That's old. Luke Cage is old. Iron, 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 Iron Fist, Fist is the new thing. To What's the terrible on? one? Oh, Iron Fist. Okay. Iron Fist is Who is Iron Fist? He's Luke Cage's partner in Heroes for Hire. Yeah, he's part of the Defenders with Daredevil. Hence them doing all these different series where they all get yes. to team up. Quite. Okay, carry on. <laughs> a boring superhero. Uh, no, it's pretty cool, actually. Yeah. You guys see Logan yet? No, I'm dying to see no. it. I'd rather be dead. You wouldn't because... I'd rather be dead. Well, we can arrange that. That's an easy choice to make, really. It's, yeah. I started watching X-Men Apocalypse since it's on Canadian Netflix. Yeah. I tell you, what a plaster scene mess that is. It's, uh, it's something. It uh, it does not hold up. Uh, it, it didn't hold up for me the first time I saw it. I tried to watch it six times. It's uh, It's a mess. It's... There's a lot going on. What is the X-Men Apocalypse equivalent in the video game world? What is the equivalent of X-Men Apocalypse in the video game world? So, like, the new installment of a franchise that's actually had a couple of pretty good installments recently. Mass Effect Andromeda. Mass Effect Andromeda. <laughs> well, I was going to say, is, is, is Mass Effect Andromeda Close. X-Men Apocalypse? I want to almost say, like, Skyward Sword is kind of, like, in that category. Yeah. Yeah. All right, so... No, that was critically acclaimed. Man. Oh, well, critics then. That, that game got Thank huge Thank God reviews. for the critics. Uh, Doesn't matter. I got huge reviews. Everybody's favorite. Critic. What Zelda game isn't going to get huge reviews from someone? No, no. I wouldn't say that. But X-Men Apocalypse got... <laughs> it's, it's not good. It's not good. And it came on the heels of uh, Batman v Superman. 
Well, that was my next question. What is the Batman v Superman equivalent in the gaming world? Call it, call it. I was gonna say. What's uh, the most recent Call of Duty? I was gonna say Assassin's Creed Unity. No, that's the Assassin's Creed movie. Infinite Warfare. Call of Duty Infinite Warfare. Was it? Have Batman you guys played that at all? That's the only Call of Duty I've wanted to play in a while because it looked cool on space. Well, apparently the gaming public disagrees with you. Oh well, heaven forbid I don't align myself with the wise hive mind. Three months we haven't talked. It's been three long months. Okay, what's with YouTube names and gamer tags? There was an article on this on Polygon uh, talking about it. creative <laughs> names like Luigi J. And two-tone Metroid Glenn. I'm getting strangled right now. <laughs> what is the idea behind this? There's a whole there's a whole article on Polygon about it. There's, well, only, you, there's only so many names out there, dude. You but, you put you put your name with your favorite game things. So when, but why? I'm just getting to that. So when somebody thinks of you or when they watch your thing, they know that okay, this is the master of like Rob Ghouls and Ghosts. Like this is the guy I go to for all my <laughs> Ghouls and Ghosts info. Whack! But where did that come from? And why is that? We, we don't know anyone like that in six four Josh. <laughs> what a starts, geek. that guy's such a geek. And he starts now, now. baby. <laughs> Josh, I love you. He doesn't listen. Do you like the uh, Red Fawn and Last Jedi? No, he doesn't answer. <laughs> Cause for concern. Where does that come from? Why is that the standard? Why is that the staple? I honestly think it's just there's such a limited number of names out there. Like there's only so many names. But why does it have to be? This? Yeah. Why can't you be? And everybody's on a digital platform. But why can't you be Glenn Stanway? Glenn Stanway. And because Robert there's like seven thousand of them that are out there already, and I have to be Glenn Stanway. Ninety-eight. No, 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 62. no. This isn't like Glenn Stanway ninety-eight. This would be like Glenn Stan- Stanway, like Metroid or Samus, like Metroid Glenn. No, but what we're it's saying not a is number what, thing. what I'm saying is why can't we just be like Glenn Stanway? And he's saying because it's already been taken, so therefore I have to be like Glenn Stanway nineteen seventy-five thousand. But, but that's not what it is. It's not just a numbered kind of add-on. It's like a marketing thing. I got to be Metroid Glenn. Well, it could be. I think like, Jay's right. Like if you're a if you're a tuber, or you're a streamer, a and it helps describe what you do, Yeah. why not? It's memorable. What if you want to change? You're not allowed to. You can't. We always said that, you know, there was always the dude who, like, aligned himself with Mega Man. It was like Mega it's Man a, Mike or whatever. It's, it's a like, good thing that, uh, that Mason's Twitch handle isn't, like... Yeah, yeah. Well, congrats to Mason Kramer, of course, our longtime dear friend, who is finally That's a Twitch line. partner. We'll name his name. We will name his name. He is a Twitch partner. You can subscribe to him now on So on proud of him, man. That's a big deal. That was his big goal for a long time, and now he's officially employed by Twitch. It's a pretty good deal. You know, and he's helped promote us a lot. He's done screenings in Nintendo Quest on there. We're going to do some Power Tour screenings, I hope. Um, yeah, I don't know. I, I think the whole handle alias thing is it's just a very interesting kind of look at psychology in the gaming world, why we have to label ourselves a certain way. You know? Did did we not all used to have kind of like nicknames? Like I, I remember we were talking about this earlier actually. I used to be called Game. Like just Game. G A M E. That was my name for like all my save files and all that. You know, and this stems stuff. from the arcade world where you had like three initials. Yeah, it was well G A M, yeah. Which but, is why uh you're Dark Ace on Yeah, I'm Dark Ace. Yeah. That was always my kind of alias. Yeah, so how come you're not just Ron McCallum? Because I had to be something cool. I couldn't. I couldn't just be me. Me wasn't enough. I've talked to my therapist. For and this what are, tomorrow. And what are you? 
Did you ever have a handle? Oh, aren't you like Skyward Spirit or something like that? Analog Spirit. Analog Spirit is my right. handle on basically everything now. But That's I mean, right. like, I don't have like an old school one, really. What were your three letters? Was it just your initials? I never played enough arcade stuff or was good enough at it to actually use three letters. So I used to use initials, yeah. Wah, wah, wah. Yep. Sad trombone. I was never good at it either. Still ain't. What's left on your list? What else can we talk about? When are we going to record again? That's a great question. Easter, when I'm done that weekend? We're going to do an Easter special, maybe a live Google Hangouts? Louvre Hangouts? Yeah, live Google. Did you hear the Terminator franchise is over and dead? Arnie's done, apparently. He's done. He's fired. <laughs> they just spit like pretzel. Sorry. My Polish girlfriend <laughs> muttering incoherently in Schwarzenegger's from the turnpike on the other side of the <laughs> table. First, we're going to get on the Jersey turnpike. And then. Then we're going to travel back in time. Blade head off with a shotgun. What? But what concert are we going to? Trickster. And. Dad. Dad. <laughs> Well, if you guys don't have anything left to say or talk about, since I was the only one that did an actual outline, <laughs> I had a couple of things. He had nothing to say. I chimed in on everything. And I know. Oh, you chimed in. Hey, what what, what are you bringing to the table? Are you guys excited at all about Rogue One coming out in a couple of weeks? On Blu-ray? Yeah. No. No, I've already seen it. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm just more concerned about the red font to Last Jedi. Thanks to a wonderful... That, that, that's there. what keeps me up at night. Well, okay then. <laughs> Well, that'll do it for another GamerCast from the Snack Bowl in London, Ontario, around the pine table built for four now, thanks to some Pearl Jam concerts. Yeah. Used to be a table for six, now not. Uh, so for myself, thanks for everyone listening. Sorry about the delay between episodes. We're going to try to make this more frequently and maybe even step it up to do every three weeks to kind of make up for the four episodes of a miss. Whoa, whoa, slow down. Yeah, something like that. Pump the brakes. Uh, so cheers from myself and from Jay Bartlett. Oh, look. It's Lyra. Back from the dead. It's a miracle. And from Glenn Stamprig. I don't have a witty quote. I'm sorry. Thanks very much for listening. Thanks.